0: up people welcome to a brand new episode of wrestle update i'm your host dylan fox and thankfully we are back first of all first and foremost joining me the person that i love the most right
1: now you have been sick we were worried about you how are you
0: feeling Doctor?
1: Did you say favorite person right now? Is it like the AEW rankings that could just be taken <laughs> out? <laughs> no, just... I would never take you out.
0: And right now and always.
1: <laughs> I like check back next week and Spadouche is in front of me.
0: <laughs> no, I can assure you of that. Although he, he did help with the, the Chris Brooks interview. He was a big part of that. Uh, so shout, shout out to Spadouche. We will give him his props. But no, like I said, I told you on the, the last episode and everything, We I feel like we're like the magic duo right now because Wrestle Update has helped and specifically not just Wrestle Update, but you coming on Wrestle Update actually revitalized my passion pretty much for wrestling. It was a crazy time. And then you just came in from like an angel from the heavens, helping me out, uh, doing some big things. And now even when we're sick, but like I said, we would have done a show earlier, but you were sick more or or less. There's, There's a long way around this whole deal.
1: Yeah, no, feeling much better now. Thank you so much for your patience. Like it, it took me almost five days to watch all out, which maybe was the best way to digest a show that long. Yeah, seven um, all out. Yeah, I I got it all done. I watched it. I'm very excited to chat it all.
0: Oh, absolutely! And you've got a new setup in your office too. You, I saw you post on Twitter.
1: Yep, big big love and respect to my new ICW No Holds Barred American Deathmatch Championship and uh, signed an authenticated Hoodfoot poster. Shout out to Hoodfoot. (laughs) Shout out to Hoodfoot. Hello,
0: Wherever Hoodfoot, wherever you are, just know that you've got supporters. You've got respectors on this show. I'm still rocking the same lineup I've got. One end, we've got Ultimo Guerrero's mask that I have. And the other end, piplup and we will not forget about pip-lup,
1: pip-lup, piplup that's right
0: that's right And you said you had squirtle. squirtle been replaced in your lineup by hoodfoot
1: so squirtle i put yes in a different area of my room now no? so i guess yeah my ranking system hoodfoot has gone over squirtle um but it's because i kind of just i i created like the whole thing to be just a wrestling corner like i've got my Uh, Pro Wrestling Magazine covers, you know, with like the Shiozaki, I am Noah, then him coming back with Nakajima, my little pair there. I have so many fucking keychains of just New Japan pro wrestlers. (laughs) So those are all hanging out. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good time in the office corner.
0: And good, but uh, rest in peace, Squirtle, being an unofficial IP. member of the, of the Wrestle Update. He's a, still a <laughs> member in our hearts, though. Uh, okay, you can't. You may be able to move him around, but you can't get rid of him in my heart. And Piplup is not going anywhere. Piplup is staying right here, uh, <laughs> where where we need him. So he's keeping things in check in case any trouble pops off. Because we, we do know if there's somebody with enemies around here. And I think everybody loves you pretty much. But I have many enemies, maybe from the past. Maybe I've turned over a new leaf and some people have changed their opinion on me. But some people are out to get me and Piplup is my protection. Not weapons, (laughs) not security, not a camera, a plushie of a Pokemon. That's how we do it right here at Memphis, Tennessee, baby.
1: (laughs) The real grizzly of Memphis, Piplup.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I uh, I just won a free grizzlies jersey too i've got i'm having it customized it's in the mail uh it's got my name the back got my number that i i did when i played if nobody knows i played three sports in high school basketball football and baseball and basketball was my best one um my ex fiance actually had it in with a team in bsn which is the puerto rican basketball league uh and I almost got a tryout with a team there once. That's a fun fact right now on here. So the Grizzlies are very near and dear to my heart, but not as near and dear to my heart as pro wrestling, which has led to some amazing things. Like I said, it took us a little time. We were going to do it sooner, but uh, thankfully we had to wait till Nello got okay. And he smartly held off on All Out, which has many, many matches <laughs> that we were talking about. It's funny because the two shows we're talking about, one- has so many matches, and the other has, like, five or six on the Mm -hmm. show. Uh, So I like the differences there. Uh, We got some news to talk about. We've got, speaking of enemies, I mean, this is a big show for you. (laughs) The the last episode. Speaking of
1: enemies.
0: (laughs) The last episode for for a certain star character on Wrestle Update so far, particularly for you, which we will get to at the end. That's the grand finale. I know that's what everybody wants to hear most, I bet, so we got to save it for the main event. But right now, let's kick it off with WWE. They've had a lot going on lately. Uh, obviously, a big news story coming up is the merger that's taking place that's solidify. we posted it on the twitter go to the twitter account please follow us we need more followers <laughs> we're just starting out we're you know a grassroots operation right now hopefully more people follow and check us out because i've been posting some stuff on there some fun stuff uh as well where we're gonna get all kinds of fun goodies and treats on there but also some live tweets some cool stuff on wrestling and just some news and updates pretty much every day uh wrestle update 23 23 it's the year we started 2023 and Wrestle Update. That's the name of the thing. And with the logo, I even designed like a, an alt logo for us too. It has the W and the U, but it's mixed. I thought it was pretty nice personally. I don't know if you all feel the same way, but I, I liked it. But the fact of the matter is, I posted about this on there. TKO Holdings, the new group involving WWE and UFC. Nello. I know you're and we were talking about it actually on the last episode we had to wait a day because we watched the UFC show on uh, there, which was awesome by the way. It was a great show. But what are uh, were you around when UFC sold, like in 2016 and all of that, uh, that happened?
1: No, so I started watching UFC like oh my god, I'm pretty sure it was like that big pandemic pay per view, like Oliveira in Brazil. Oh yeah. Um so that is when I got into it. Or no 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 the first match that really, really fucking got me into it was um Jedraječik versus um Zhang Wei Li. So it was that pay-per-view. Um and I've been watching pretty much all the numbered ones at least since, but so I I was not around for the 2016 sale though.
0: Yeah, and I, the thing is I'm not a mega UFC fan. To be honest, it's not like this is something where I'm an expert on, especially compared to you know wrestling and all. Uh, but I do follow along with it because a lot of people I know really love it, uh, and obviously it's important in this particular circumstance. But from what I, I really did some research on this as well. I tried to find some what some you know facts and things going on there in the 2016 sale, basically. When this all came about, they fired a lot of people. <laughs> it's a long story short of all of this. Uh, they got rid of a lot of people, cut a ton of cost. This endeavor is like the ultimate soulless business giant, which a lot of people would probably say about WWE in the first place. But <laughs> they are like, they are like double like double the soulless business corporation. I mean, Seto Kaiba basically runs this company at this point. He, you know, they just fired everybody. They're all about cutting costs. They don't care. Uh, You know, so that's a thing to look at on this in terms of an, a thing that could change. I know that there's been a lot of talk about Triple H not being on the board and Dana White's also not on the board. So they screwed over everybody pretty much that was there Uh, with this merger. There's still something I had heard somebody say that there is actually a, a seat left, like one thing that hasn't been feel, filled from the WWE side. So uh, maybe Triple H could find worm his way uh, back into power through that. But obviously it's going to come in with the other soulless husk of humanity that run these companies like Vince McMahon and things like that will be at the top of the, the food chain as always. But the thing you got to look out for, if they run it like they did in 2016, and there's a famous story where – Dana White had promised this like legendary UFC, UFC fighter Chuck Liddell, who was a big part of their boom originally. He had promised him a job for life, and when it merged, they immediately fired him. <laughs> pretty much, uh, they were like, "There is no jobs for life with us." And so, if there's like a loyalty hire in WWE right now, or guys that have been just hanging on for you know years and years, and if you're not a top star, basically how it was explained. Uh, you know, it was said at some discords, some news outlets and things like that, how they've ran UFC is basically if, you, if you're if you a tippy-top star, they love you and they'll take care of you. And if you're not a top star, then you are seen as expendable and can get fired at any moment, uh, pretty much, if you cause too much trouble. So that could be something to look out for. You know, if there's been people that maybe have been hanging around for a long time, will they clear things out? Maybe they'll run it different, too. It's something – you know, we don't know. It's an unknown thing, but I know a lot of wrestlers have been worried about this in terms of. Obviously, we talked about it in the last episode with Edge, uh, his contract coming up. It seems like it might be pretty good timing for him, uh, you know, getting out of there while he can and maybe having that offer into AEW. And it may, might it might be the last chance for him. Maybe terrible timing because this they, he might have gotten a huge contract before, but now these guys might be too tight-lipped for, it or things like that. But regardless. Uh, that's just something to keep your eyes on. We'll see how it affects the product itself. That's the main thing for us, obviously, following it here. And then we had the pay-per-view itself, Payback, we'll get into here. Uh, this was the show where the, the main build-up to this was the big main event, which was Nakamura – Somebody that me and you had talked about before. Uh, you know, we had talked about at the SummerSlam show, maybe him being a potential winner of the Battle Royal and that leading to a title shot. He didn't win the Battle Royal, but they did give him a title shot, and they've done some fantastic build-up to this match. And I want to say that right away. Give them credit uh for how they built that match up and continue to, obviously. Basically, all about the back injury. And they've done storylines with them. That's the main thing. Obviously, Becky and, and Trish have been feuding for months on end, pretty much. The other matches weren't as well built up. They did some for Rhea and Raquel. And the main thing, though, if you look at the show, again, it's the same thing we talked about on SummerSlam. Look at this show. All of these matches, pretty much, are raw matches. You know, like SmackDown (laughs) has no storylines whatsoever outside of the bloodline. And they just kind of everyone else. You just hope you can find something. And in fact, one of them, they needed to feud with a raw guy to even get on the show. Uh, There was one SmackDown match total on the show, which is the most boring match potentially on the show as well. Since Austin Theory was in it. But with that said, first match on the show was the steel cage match. Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. You know, Nello, what, what did you think of this coming into here? This match had been built for months on end. There was a lot of controversy about them not being on SummerSlam. How do you think they played it off? They finished this feud off. How do you think the match went?
1: This was my favorite match on the show. Um, again, like I can't claim to watch weekly television. So I pretty much just keep up through um, recap shows but um damn this was great like so many big moves and what i was most in awe of throughout the match is how well they hit everything um like i don't know it it really was awe-striking to me just to be able to watch becky and trish and it was one of those like just do this kind of match like Trish climbing out of the top corner and Becky hitting the crazy superplex and just all of this shit you know like it felt like one of those matches that we would watch like um i don't know there's something about cage matches or hell in a cells that open a pay-per-view and just feel like the main event and then there's the rest of the show um and for better or worse like i think that's how this match functioned on this card um like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really happy Becky went over. I'm excited to see what she does next because I'm not entirely sure. And then the end uh, angle with Trish and Zoe. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see that match. Uh, they've seemed to have a, put a lot of stock into Stark. Um, that was really fun to say. And <laughs> You're, you are a poet, man. I try. I try I should have said, you know, it then everyone stops listening.
0: Um, They will never (laughs) stop listening for that. They will only love you more. (laughs)
1: Um, But yeah, no, I'm excited to see how Trish and Zoe work together. Um, You know, Becky and Trish is like a slam dunk. I think that's an easy home run. They worked so damn well together. Um, And I think that this is going to be really Zoe having to step up, no longer playing the sidekick nor the background character, but like having to go toe to toe with Trish is going to be a big like sink or swim. First of all, I love this match. I thought it was
0: so good. Um, you know, there was a review on cage match. I saw where he was, uh, somebody was criticizing the match saying, oh, they hit each other against the cage too much. And I was like, you're saying this is a bad thing. Look at these bruises that Trish came out with. These girls put their bodies on the line. Uh, you know, they were going against the cage. You saw Trish, uh, fish hook Becky at one point. Uh, she was like totally vicious, and that's something i loved in their saudi arabia match they had a few months ago is that their strikes they like these two together throw some of the hardest strikes on the roster i feel like not always in, in every match with becky but with trish for whatever reason they just hit each other hard in their matches and by the end of this match Trish was so bruised all over her body. The, the arms, the forehead, you see the big black bruise on her forehead. It looked crazy. You mentioned the superplex, which looked absolutely ridiculous. Trish hung backwards on the outside of the cage, uh, to, at one point. That was a very, yep. unique spot. um, and it was so amazing. I just, I just really loved this match so much. And I was happy that they were able to have it here because the few did get a raw deal. Uh, the previous week on raw, it was Becky versus Zoe in, an, a, like, a hardcore match, and Becky ended up uh, winning that, obviously, and they did a lot of there. Like, that was a great match, too, but this trumped everything, and I thought it was the best match on the show. I agree with you totally. I was watching the show with Ken, my grandpa, and I, I will be honest. He was a super... Like I said, I think he's still – even though he's older he and he seems these shows live and he knows the score, but I think he's like still in between kayfabe and reality at times when he watches these shows, <laughs> as evidence with the tag match we'll talk about later. But he was rooting very hard for Becky to win. So I, as a troll, rooted for Trish to win against him and said, no, I think Trish should win. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not necessarily against either because I – think this Trish run has been awesome like pretty much start to finish, whether it's on the promos or the matches they've had with, with them. I thought they've done a great job, and it led to helping elevate Zoe Stark, who is a person I'm a big fan of. I love her talent in the ring. On the mic, she's not really fully there the way Trish is or Becky is, but in terms of her in-ring, I think she's awesome. Um and she played a part in the finish obviously. And like you said, the angle at the end basically she tried to save Trish but uh Trish ended up losing in the end Becky got the win, as she should have, the triumphant win for the baby face. But then she hit the Z three sixty on Trish and Trish got laid out.
1: Dude, the- that looks so good too.
0: Yeah. It's such a cool move, like, if it's hit right. If it's hit wrong, it, it looks awful, but if it looks right, <laughs> it's brilliant, <laughs> you know? Like, remember, the, I don't know if you saw this, she hit one on Natalia one week, which was a Z020, <laughs> I, I think, on there. Uh, but the, this one looked great. Trish is awesome. I can't believe how good she still is. She's better now than she's been her whole career. I've watched – I was a huge WWE fan when her – run was going on the mid two thousands. And I don't know if she's ever had a match as good as this, uh, this cage match with Becky. I thought this was one of her best matches. And I, like, I think this is one of Becky's best matches, honestly. Like I thought it was like totally perfect for what it needed to be so much intensity and hard hitting action that you don't always get and you can compare it to the other match on the show, especially the women's match. I mean, this had so much more fire excitement. Everything about it was just great. And the angle was good. I will say this to speak to your point on Zoe. The follow up basically made this seem like if they're going to feud, it's probably going to have to be on hold for a little while. Uh, you know, maybe Trish is written off for now. Maybe she will come back in the future around Rumble time because they did an angle on Raw with Zoe and Shayna where, and this is in playback, I like that they called back to this because they had had a match a few weeks ago and Zoe basically said, we have unfinished business. Let's settle this. Like, I don't care if we're both heels or whatever. And Shayna was like, all right. And they had a match, but then at the end, it was a clean match, and then Shayna fist-bumped her at the end. It was like, you gave me a better fight than Ronda did. And so it kind of seems like maybe he, she's a baby face now, like Zoe, and maybe Shayna both, or maybe they're a team. I don't know what the deal is, but she did have a good <clears throat> match on Raw with Shayna, at least. And uh, B- Becky... They teased her actually going to NXT uh, facing Tiffany Stratton for the NXT title, which they showed her. Uh, they had a promo segment on this pay-per-view, too, to kind of set that up. and because basically, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. On, she on was an, watching
1: from ringside.
0: And on an NXT promo, Tiffany was like uh, a typical heel. I'm the best champion ever type of promo. And she listed off all these former champions. She was like Asuka and Shayna and Bianca and Becky. And then a bunch of people jumped on her online because Becky had never actually won the title. <laughs> and then Tiffany walked up to her backstage and was like, I apologize for saying that you won the title when you never actually won it. And, like, <laughs> right. and so, so that's actually this week, too. On Tuesday, it's going to be Becky versus her for the NXT women's title. So I don't know what that's all about. You you have to think that it would be some kind of like goofy finish, like somebody will interfere And that'll set up Becky's next program because I don't think they're going to put the NXT title on her, but who knows? I mean, that's another thing you have to look out for. If you notice, uh, if you're an NXT viewer, they have really used a lot of the main roster talent on that show recently, like Dominic and Rhea. Mm -hmm. Like they're putting all these. Ray was on there one week. They're putting all these main roster. I know that they're trying to get that new contract with USA and it's helped the ratings like they've actually gone way up uh, putting these guys and girls on there. So I think Becky is right up there. Build up to a big title match should be some good business. But I just I don't think she should win the title. I think she should do something on Raw.
1: I would be interested to see her win the title, even if it's for a short run. I think they could do a hell of a lot more than when Charlotte won the title. Um, Oh, I think. I mean, so I I go back to that whole um, remember that Chris Hero interview. I think he might have done it with post, but he talked about how the Indies for a while, you know, after kind of WWE and AEW signed everyone. um, He referred to like the Indie town as fatherless children. And that kind of feels like NXT women's division right now is like a motherless children almost in the sense of like, there's no, there's no real ace. Right. And typically the women's division has always had that ace. Io, Shayna, Asuka, um, you know, albeit brief, Ember Moon. And these people have pretty much always elevated others. And with the nxt women's division as of late i mean you had roxanne perez with that very confusing title run
0: Uh, Um, now listen i i love her a
1: lot same Uh, i love roxy uh, dude you texas pro for life
0: hey listen i once fell for a girl from laredo once so i'm personally biased to anyone from laredo texas but that title reign was totally whack (laughs) like i don't know what they were thinking with that I think they had. I actually think they had good intentions. It was just done in a, such a Shawn Michaels way that I think it, it damaged everything.
1: Yeah, and and then what? Indy won, and then she lost it, and then Tiffany got. And it's just like a. It's it feels like the TNT title kind of where it's yeah. just very in flux. What was once like one of the most lauded divisions in the company is now just very in turmoil. So I think Becky could hopefully really write that ship and. Help a lot of these women who it's hard to be like have star making performances like when you're all kind of at like the same level and no one's really like breaking that ceiling. It feels like like your Sol Ruka's, your Kiana James's, yeah, yeah. even Wendy Chu. Big love to Wendy Chu. That would be so over in DDT. Um, and but I think like they need someone to lose against in that star making performance right and becky could really like when balor went back to nxt and did his run that was like that's what really elevated kyle o'reilly that's what really elevated peep dunn those guys really got to the next level and it's yeah um but i I would be a real big fan of her to win and then just i guess some final thoughts on this match um you know going back to the comments about hitting on the cage if anything I would say something this match really excelled at was the use of the cage. Um, totally agree. And, and more than anything, it was like, you know, in a ladder match, in a cage match, when they're crawling out and it can just feel like such bullshit, right? Like you're just waiting for the spot to happen. There's no tension. They worked all of these scenes Very well, in terms of like the actual tension involved. Like, okay, the pacing makes sense. This doesn't feel like someone's going slow, right? Intentionally or whatever. Like, the match felt real, and that's about as good you can hope for sometimes.
0: They even did the spot. Remember when I think it may have been Trish crawling or Becky, but Becky was about to climb out of the cage, but Trish noticed that, like, hey, I can just walk out the door and then Becky had to turn like stop climbing come back in and drag her away from the door whereas otherwise like you said it would have been a uh, slow crawl and they would have been you know like you said it would have just bored everybody but here they actually did it much better and much more realistically
1: yes it's like um a cage match without a lot of theatrics which is kind of hard to pull off it almost feels like and you really have to you know imbue it with like that Vitriol and just that that anger. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd go like four and a quarter on this.
0: I gave it the exact same rating, uh, four four and a quarter as well. And I think the cage match inmates agree. Shout out to the inmates right now, eight point two seven. On uh, uh, 392 votes so far. So a lot of votes uh, for this show here. And you get 8.27 right around that era. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave this four stars as well. So I guess we're all kind of on similar pages here. 20 minutes, almost straight. 20 minutes, two seconds for this match. Cool stuff uh, there. Great match. A huge fan of Trish. I really want her to come back because I think she's really been a great addition to the division in general. Then we see a bunch of boring stuff <laughs> that happens. Uh, John Cena's out, and this run has to be something – there's been a lot of rumors about this happening. Everybody knew that there's this big India show coming up later this month, That Cena's going to wrestle on it. But it's been said that he's going to stick around for the next two months at least. And a lot of people say the reason for that is because of the latest writer strike going on in Hollywood, and that's affected so much stuff. You know, nobody wants to release any new movies because you can't promote it according to the rules of this strike. You can't film new content. So Cena's just like, well, I've got nothing better to do. I guess I'm going to be in wrestling again. And for him, that means – coming in and cutting this lame promo i hate miz on the mic to me he's one of the worst promos in my opinion it's not because he's not charismatic it's not because he's not he doesn't try his hardest but he just comes across so like i'm on autopilot like none of this is real it's just stuff i've been saying for 10 years now when my head goes up goes up your mouth goes shut. It's like, yeah, I've made a vid in WrestleMania. I do this. I've done that. We've heard the same crap for 10 years now. Literally, it's just like such a low effort promo, in my opinion. But that pales in comparison to the match that he had in terms of low effort. So Cena says he's now the special referee. They go around about, you know, who's on first. Basically, that led to him saying that he needs to insert himself as the referee. And then L.A. Knight comes out. Special referee tropes abound here, where at first he comes in and calls it straight up, but then Miz uh, goes too far and he has to pull him away, and Miz gets pissed, and then LA Knight grabs him and he goes too far in the corner, Cena pulls him away, and now LA Knight's pissed at Cena, and now they're wondering will Cena, you know, knock somebody out, but in the end, uh, LA Knight ended up, uh, you know, countering. With the people's elbow or the yeah elbow, I guess you could say, and then the best move in wrestling, which was also my old finisher, the blunt force trauma, wins the three count for the win, and they do. Uh, they try to tease like this tension between Cena and LA Knight, where Cena's like, "We don't got to be friends, but it's about respect," and LA Knight's like, "You want to do this right now?" But eventually, they just shake hands, and he puts them over. So LA Knight's <laughs> over but the match this was like a nothing match in my, in my opinion
1: crazy that this went almost 16 minutes um this was the first time i've heard the la night chant like la night yeah yeah and it's one of those things where when the crowd does it i'm like we are not a species built to last it feels very fall <laughs> of rome um and like I'm just like, this feels fucking fake. Like, I don't believe yeah. that people are yelling this. But on a match itself, like, this is the most 2008 WWE match that you could imagine. Like, the most basic wrestling, the most basic counters, the Miz still can't throw a kick. Um, <laughs> And, like, I just thought the psychology was very dumb Um, you know, the spot with like Miz and Cena arguing, sure, right? And you can just sell that tension between like, is Cena going to screw Miz over? But when LA Knight got in Cena's face and I was like, isn't he the baby face? And it just felt very out of character and out of place. And then at the end again, too, like LA Knight was just talking shit to Cena. And I was like, this feels so weird. I don't know I don't feel like I understand this LA Knight character um he kind of just seems like a big dick to me honestly <laughs> um like there's really no difference between him and the Miz um yeah. but dude I mean he's over his shit can't deny that so congrats to him the crowd was super into this match um and yeah that, that's about my thoughts on it <laughs> Ken hated this
0: match, and I don't blame him. First of all, nobody likes Miz. But secondly, he hates LA Knight because he says he's just a ripoff of Stone Cold, pretty much. And he says, oh, he said hell yeah, and now he's saying yeah, he's just a ripoff. And he does the people's elbow. So he's, I think he's more like a rock than a Stone Cold, in my opinion. Although he does have the vest, to be fair, and he does have the yeah, but he also has the people's elbow. So he is a mixture of The Rock and Stone Cold. He just has hair. That's the, that's the only difference, I would say. Um, but he's such a basic wrestler. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the fans have really rallied behind him, but he kind of feels more like, you know, a Zack Ryder type of guy, where he's super uh. old for for a few months, and then once this push fizzles out. I think we he won't be that well-remembered <laughs> at the end of the day. But like I said, for right now, ride the momentum. I also don't think they did him favors putting him against The Miz. They need somebody who can work around him and create excitement in his matches, which, I mean, this really is, you kind of mentioned it, the Wrestle Factory of 2008 it feels like it's coming back between these two. And uh, the next match features another guy that I would classify in that same category, Austin Theory who is challenging for the U.S. title against Rey Mysterio. And they did an angle on, you know, a few weeks ago, actually, where it was going to be Theory versus Santos Escobar, but then Escobar got hurt, so Rey took his place. And then Rey won the title itself. After Santos beat Rey due to injury. So we can presume that that injury was real, and they just rewrote it to where Rey, (laughs) Rey could get the title shot, basically, anyway. And... This was the rematch of it. And as I said, Average Austin checking in once again with his same match that he always has. And the thing is, L.A. Knight, he's kind of a new guy who's very over. Uh, he hasn't really gotten the rub or anything like that yet. This theory push has been going on for a year, for like a year and a half, pretty much.
1: For two and manias I, now, for two fucking WrestleManias.
0: I think it's time to pull the plug on this. And he's not going <laughs> to and he's just as bad in the ring. This is the um, worst rematch that I could ever remember seeing.
1: Yeah, like, I, I have not seen any evolution or development in Theory's character. Um, He feels like he felt more exciting and evolved somehow, fighting, like, Baba Toonday. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's right. I don't know. Like, okay, there's that. It's Gigi. The what? They got a pair of Priscilla
0: Kelly with him again. She's like, oh involved God, trying to make right. <laughs> um, they have if, they, if they want to go that route.
1: There's that like deep lore Rey Mysterio story, right? Of like this guy posted, you know, when I was eight years old, Rey Mysterio walked out and he gave me his mask. And when he like put his head against mine, he whispered, you're a little bitch and you're always going to be a little bitch and no one's going to believe you that I ever said this. Right. And then he just <laughs> walked away. Um, I think that kid was Austin theory at this point. <laughs> like <laughs> this was so bad. And the thing too, is like Ray looked great in this match. Like it, it's just to me, like again, since I don't watch weekly television unless people are wrestling on pay-per-views, like I do not see them. So like, you know, I'm like, shit, I can't remember the last time I saw a Rey Mysterio match, really. Um, and Ray still looks so good. And it's one of those things now where Theory has had matches with so many high-profile WWE superstars and just, like, general good wrestlers. Again, if you said, oh, he had a feud with John Cena that culminated at WrestleMania this year. Like Cena was so right, and I yeah. think like that oh, yeah. promo honestly is what killed Theory, and you know Cena's done that a few times. You know, there's multiple <laughs> like when he did it to Reigns, yeah, um, and stuff like that. And yeah, it's a total asshole move, honestly, right? But like, it's true, and unless you can yeah. do something about that otherwise to prove it, it's just facts, you know. And, again, like, it's it's an asshole remark to make, but it's also, like, almost an olive branch in a weird way of, like, you can overcome this, right? But, yeah, anyway, just total throwaway, not much to say about this.
0: Again, he's, like, the Wrestle Factory guy, pretty much. Like, he would fit right in on 2008 WWE, in my opinion. Uh, and I just, what you said about Cena's promo is so true. Everything he said was facts, and that's bad when you're looking at a young star. Like you said, it's a good thing if you're very talented and can overcome those things and prove him wrong and show all of these great things to make people care about you and love you. But if you asked a majority of however many millions of viewers watch SmackDown every week and how many many millions watch these pay-per-views and PLEs, whatever you want to call them, what's your favorite Austin Theory match? What's like? What's the answer to that? They're all the same.
1: Babatunde. You, we have to go I, back. I was at conference. that evolve. It was Gunther versus JD Drake, and it was Austin oh, Theory versus day. I think that Chris Hero was on that show too. But anyway, like yeah, honestly, I, but I say that in all seriousness because it's the only fucking Austin Theory match I can actually remember.
0: They need to pair him with Gigi again, Priscilla Kelly, we have to put them back together to reclaim that evolved magic. He needs to grow his hair out again, to, to the bowl cut that he, that he had before. Oh. Like, uh, if they do that, they may be onto something. But I don't... Like I said, even if you say, what's your favorite Austin Theory promo? Like, compare him to Waller, who is like a somewhat similar wrestler, but just better like outshining yes. him in every, every way. <laughs> so it's really bad when you have these you know, kind of white meat type of guys. And then you compare him to LA Knight, like you said, very catchphrase based, not really a great promo. Uh, Waller, very charismatic, like is a a really good promo to me. And then you compare him to theory who just has, there's just nothing to him. It's not like he's some horrible wrestler, like botching moves and, and looking awful. It's just, he's so bland. He's again, we got to do the scouting episode where we grade everyone five out of 10 in the categories. I guarantee you if we did that, whether it's look, wrestling, charisma, mic skills, gimmick, everything is five out of ten. Like He's like the most average wrestler you could ever invent. Uh, like The only way he could be more so is if he was Ted DiBiase Jr., I'd say.
1: <laughs> yeah, you nailed it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, with that said, uh, that match did end, and we got to the next match. Which was for the tag titles, the Steel City Street Fight, because we are in Pittsburgh, uh, to, to be fair here. Uh, 13,000 fans in the PPG Paints Arena. Is that what this called? Is this where the Penguins play?
1: Like, um, I know nothing about Pittsburgh except – no, never mind Saw. The Saw franchise is actually set in New Jersey. I was thinking it was set oh. in Pittsburgh. So I actually know nothing about Pittsburgh. Not even the Penguins. Um, okay, I remember watching the Penguins versus the Pirates series, like, god damn, maybe this is 2012, and it was so violent and beautiful, so that's the one thing I remember.
0: Penguins. I, I have a bad, bad relationship with the Penguins because the one time the Nashville Preds did make the Stanley Cup Finals... It was against him, and that series was so freaking rigged in favor of that punk ass Sidney Crosby that I just I would, <laughs> never, I would never forgive him uh, for this. Uh, but hey, we saw a Sydney Crosby appearance in this match, and Mario Lemieux uh, going in from the '90s here, so they got everything. Uh, this was just a crazy brawl, uh, pretty much. The big parts of the match were, as I mentioned, when they got thrown over the barricade. And suddenly Zayn and Owens popped up with the Penguins jerseys on and hockey sticks. (laughs) And Owens, a bloody mess at this point, uh, just had a huge crimson mask. Uh, He was wearing the Terry Funk T-shirt. I guess he he was feeling very inspired that day. This had to be on like he had to have done it on purpose in tribute, because if you notice, he comes in and brawls down the ramp with the bloody face. And then he stays out so they can clean it up a little bit and when he gets back into the ring the blood is all gone which is so stupid i hate when they do they do that uh, i don't know why they feel the need to be so sanitized but that's mm-hmm. kind of how they are uh, pretty much but the they brought out again Owens did, uh, climbed up all the way to the balcony, flew off the table with a swanton onto Dominic after he interfered. The whole group, like an army, ran in in this match. Uh, But he took out uh, Dominic with a swanton, which he nearly missed and probably landed on his ass, which probably hurt his hips uh, falling down so much. But it looked great. The camera shot they had from the, like, right behind him as he leapt off was freaking awesome. They should play that on a million highlight videos, and I don't think they did it once on Raw, which I was shocked by. Uh, JD McDonough ran in, and oh, it's just destroyed him with the... Like, he lifted him up into a, uh, what was a pop-up powerbomb, but he just turned it into a spinebuster onto the edge of the table. He wrecked his ass with this. It was fucking awesome. I love that move. I, I had to rewind that. Like, Ken gave it a huge pop when it happened, but... Ripley ran in, speared somebody through the barricade, and in the end, it was five on two, and Finn got the win, uh, pinning Sami Zayn. What do you think?
1: Um, this was definitely the Kevin Owens show for me. Like total highlight reel, just all of the big spots involved him. Um, outside of the finish, I genuinely can't remember a lot of Sami Zayn spots in this. Um. But I really, okay, I do not understand the hype behind this match. This, like, and you were saying, right, they're so sanitized. Yeah. And I think this match sort of really paints the difference between an AEW and WWE in the sense of, like, this is a very basic Dynamite match. Like, this is something that we get on Dynamite almost every week, just like a fucking, you know... (laughs) Like Anarchy in the Arena, fucking Stadium Stampede. I remember that bunkhouse brawl with like QT and Dustin Rhodes versus Butcher and Blade, right? Like um, the Arcade Anarchy with Chucky T and OC and was it Miro and Kip? Like, Oh, that was a great match, yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's the same thing as this where it's just – Total insanity, you know, where it's like them popping up in the hockey gear felt like a very AEW spot um, in a good way because it's just that kind of like, like I don't know, WWE is very cartoony and then AEW feels more fourth wall breaking um, for better or worse. And I think it's just one of those moments that's such like a fantastical leap. Like, okay, when did they put this shit on? How'd they get it? Right. But it's cool and you get pumped. Um, but yeah, like this, yeah. But like outside of those moments, like, man, the judgment day stuff has such go-away heat for me. Um, there's nothing exciting about a five-on-two. Um, Ripley's spear on Owens through the barricade looked really bad, I thought. And then the whole finish with like, okay, man, like these guys literally died against the Usos, right? And they don't have any kind of Orange Cassidy or Seth Rollins story about them being broken down or whatever. So for their title reign to end with like the – because the ending was like Dominic just essentially hitting Sammy with the briefcase or what was it again?
0: Yeah, it was the briefcase, somebody in the bank case, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it was such a weak – looking shot like just such a bad shot and then balor with like barely even a pin just the arm over sammy and sammy's just out it felt really um i don't know it 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 felt very weak and um
0: it reminded me honestly of an attitude era match (laughs) like down to the one-armed pin that's something we've seen so many times but the problem is it was dominic delivering it and his skill level i think you probably have more base skills than he has like you know he is over as a heel and all of that but i think you could have delivered at the very least a better briefcase shot than he did to sammy here
1: yeah i don't know they're just hitting house of torture levels for me yeah um, th-
0: that was a lot like this match you're totally right
1: um yeah and it's just it if you need these many theatrics, I'm just I'm not as interested in it because there's a big difference between a hardcore street fight like this, you know, where it's a lot of people brawling each other, but if it's just five on two, it's like, dude, I I don't know, it's
0: it makes everybody look bad because now your champions are guys who needed five people to win the titles. It makes the former champions look bad because, like you said. They were having a great title reign, overcame, uh, you know, uh, you know Roman and Solo in a big major match. Sammy got to go back to, you know, uh, like Saudi Arabia, finally getting let in. Had this amazing moment, the amazing moment at WrestleMania. Even have been workhorses on TV, like they have been carrying the sh- the show when it comes to the wrestling itself in a lot of ways. Besides the Owens injury, huge pop. Um, the Quebec crowd loved him a few weeks ago I gave him huge reactions, they feel like stars I want to shout out a review on Cage Match actually, that totally backs up what you were saying, Uh, J.J. Rule said this was the Kevin Owens show if I were to recommend one match to make someone a KO fan, it would be this he was an (laughs) absolute superstar Uh, and which I think we all have to agree, the reason why he stood out so much more than Sammy is because he was the one with the Mario Lemieux jersey on, while Sammy had bitch-ass Sidney Crosby. So I think that's why it made them you know, look better in comparison. But yeah, he was fu- freaking awesome in this match. Uh, the Judgment Day stuff, I like, th- I like these guys. Like All of the parts are good on their own. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Priest. I think he's really underrated. Uh, did great work against Bad Bunny. Had a great match on Raw with Seth for the title a few months ago. Finn. He really worked hard in the Seth feud. I don't think he's got that high of upside today, like as he would have years ago. Like you talked about the NXT run, Ripley, great look. I still have some questions, you know. But you know, even though this match wasn't that great, we'll talk about her match in a second. But she did have the great match versus Charlotte at WrestleMania. She's kind of up and down, but an amazing look, super over, Dominic, super mover heel, uh, JD. I, I wasn't really even a big fan of his on the Indies, to be honest. But I, I like that they're at least trying something with somebody new. Even if I'm not, like, I don't love him, but I like that they're they have a story they're telling at least. The problem is, is that all together, all of this going on, and it's on TV. If you watch Raw, they're getting to bloodline levels of trying to force them into a million different segments, and it's. They're overexposed. They, don't, they didn't need to have five on two in this match. They could have just had the two on two. And maybe you have a cheap finish if you want it with JD or whatever. I'd rather hit him where the briefcase got <laughs> dominant. But, uh, you know, but just do one spot to, to change the game. Don't do five on two where it's just a joke. Like you said, so cartoonish and lame. And I, the match itself, the action, the breathtaking spots, this peaked really high. But the grand scheme of things, it was a good spectacle, but not a good match, in my opinion. Uh, it, you know, that's, that's kind of how I would judge this. And like you said, it's nothing you can't see on AEW a million times.
1: Yeah, and um, again, like I, a total highlight reel for Owens. But this is one of those matches, especially when looking at the cage match rating. It's like 8.81. Um,
0: yeah, that's too high. I, whoa, I didn't think way was, too high. Yeah, this wasn't as good as the cage match. <laughs> even if you're a like a try if you only watch WWE, I don't think you could. It's just it's too much, man. Like too much overexposure for Judgment Day.
1: Yes, I think that's a great way to describe it as overexposure because you know next match is Rhea and Raquel, and Rhea just did all this stuff, so I thought it made Raquel even look like more shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. This this whole match made everybody look worse, including Judgment Day. So, and, and their opponents, even more so. So, it sucks. But first, we have to talk about the Grayson Waller effect. Uh-huh. Uh, he comes in, he calls out Cody Rhodes, and he basically says, Well, Cody, you've had good times and bad times, but you're still here. And now that you're on my show, now you can finally turn your life around. And Cody's like, we, are, we know how all these segments go, just like Piper's Pit and all the rest. You're going to attack me, and then I'll attack you, and blah, blah, blah. So why don't we do something a little different? Because I have a big scoop for you. Uh, th- this was uh, posted on WrestleUpdate Twitter as well, so he gave us the scoop as well. <laughs> Cody Rhodes <laughs> did when this happened. Uh, he says, I saw something that went terribly wrong on SmackDown, and I need to be righted. So I've cashed in all of my political power to make this happen, to bring over to Monday Night Raw Jay Uso, and he, and he, and then he says, "I hope I don't live to regret this." <laughs> and uh, Jay comes out through the crowd. He's doing his arm thing, and the whole crowd is going crazy. Like he got a huge pop for such a like simple. Like So, this literally happened like two or three weeks ago, and and Waller even says it in this segment, where he was like, they finally explained the thing with him and Jimmy, he attacked Jimmy Uso and said, I'm out, I quit WWE, deuces, ooses,' and he walked away, and now he's back after like two or three weeks, and even Grayson says, he's like, why is everybody so excited, you've gone like two weeks, (laughs) it's not that big of a deal, and... (laughs) Jay takes great offense to this and super kicks him without even cutting a promo. And, uh, you know, I was on Grayson's side here. He told the truth. And, I mean, the thing is the crowd reacted big to it and was something maybe a little unexpected, especially for Cody Rhodes. (laughs) What a great paycheck for Cody here, just coming up for, like, literally two minutes and just walked away. So he's on Raw. They did a storyline on Raw the next day where Jay is not trusted by anybody. In the locker room. Like, Raw's like, why do we have this guy over? He helped Roman Reigns all these months. He, you know, screw him. And Sammy's like, whatever happens with KO, I got love for you, Jay, and I'm glad you're here. And they ended up hugging at the end, and the crowd loved it. And then Dominic also tried to recruit him into the Judgment Day as well, which, <laughs> what, a, what a terrible idea that is. But I like it plants seeds, though, because I think where this is all going to lead is... At Survivor Series, they're going to do a big blow-off match with Judgment Day versus the Babyfaces. Probably Cody, KO, and Sammy, and, and Jay would be my prediction.
1: That would actually be a really fun Survivor Series match. I can't remember the last time we had a Survivor Series that fucking mattered. Um, like, what, since Teddy Long lost control of SmackDown. <laughs> <Come> oh. <on. laughs> Zach Ryder got kicked in the nuts by Eve. Different oh, yeah. World, different world. <laughs> That was um, so
0: – I I would have never, ever, ever remembered that in my life until you brought that up once again. And, the best and, one was obviously the Raw, Raw vs. SmackDown Survivor Series from 2005, which actually did feel like it mattered, even though it really didn't.
1: What's the – is it the one where Kurt Angle tw- turns at the end or something? I think no. it's like –
0: that was the alliance, like, when it was WCW versus. Ah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane, yeah. Jericho, that was a pretty fun one. Okay, I that digress. Was- I loved how Waller opened this segment with, like, uh, Pittsburgh and Cody Rhodes. They both had something in common. Neither has finished the story. Um, I like that. This whole thing with Cody was so weird. Like, it really just felt like the way to get Cody on the show. And, like, him being the reason Jay came felt very Weird and unnecessary, um and it has like the same energy as Darby <laughs> Allen being like, "Ar Fox, we're, I love you, man," <laughs> like, and it's just like, oh, "Fuck." Um. So yeah, I, I, I again, this is like, there's a lot of great moments, right? Like Jay doing the arm thing was really cool. It reminded me of like Brian in the cage doing that yeah. stuff. Um, Like those visuals are always very powerful. And I think that Jay being on Ron outside of the bloodline is exactly what he needed. Um, What's fucking crazy is seeing like he does feel like a more main event upper card guy now. And then I actually watched Jimmy versus AJ Styles last night and holy shit was that bad. So it seems like Jay really got the better the better booking here but um i love grayson waller like i really think um a great promo. yeah yeah, what i like about his promo too is he's able to weave in that jericho aloofness right like um like oh you wouldn't want to fight me again probably because i don't know if you you could beat me you know and then he's like what do you mean? I could beat you. And it's just like the total, like you're just eating the, taking the bait. Right. Yeah. But they're able to weave it in, in ways that don't feel like total bullshit. Um, and I don't know. I, I like Waller's character again. I've seen him wrestle maybe twice. Um, but I think he's fitting in well, like, again, it's one of those things where, um, you look at the current crop of people who are like, come to NXT, and I think Solo Sokoa was definitely the number one, but he's really cooled off a lot. Yeah. Um, just And again, it's because he hasn't had any feuds of his own, really. Um, yeah. And, I mean, to me, I'm like, Grimes is pretty missing. JD's fifth fiddle in the Judgment Day. I think Waller's probably been, outside of night, like the most successful. So I'm excited to see what he does. And I think what's cool, at least, is... On all of these Waller effects, they put him with the top talent in the company and the top talkers in the company, too. Yeah. Uh, Cena in England, Cody here. I'm pretty sure they did one with Edge, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, they did. And there's never been a moment where, like, you know, that Cena and Theory promo where we're talking about, there's never been a moment like that. Like, he has been able to go toe to toe. And that's been really cool to watch.
0: Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with you. He's a guy that I see a lot in, in the role that they probably – like You a great comparison him in theory. And they've kind of – they're trying to pair them up a little bit on, on SmackDown, which I think does theory no favors because you see the promo they cut side by side last night, and one of them is way ahead of the other. And I just don't – I don't think that's a good idea for either guy, and it drags down Waller in the ring as well. So I, I'm not a big fan of that. Solo, I totally agree. I mean, he had a great start coming in on Raw. But mm-hmm. that storyline, this bloodline, we can, we talked about it after SummerSlam. And I thought you made a lot of great points about that. This storyline has become so stupid that nobody likes it. They just did the deal where Jimmy – Jimmy is the one that turned on Roman in the first place, and now he's trying to get back in his – good. What? Like this storyline is stupid, and nobody likes it anymore. Like all I see is negative comments, uh, even among the most tried and true WWE fans. They might get into it again when Roman comes back, but as of now, the stuff with Jimmy and and Solo, it just sucks because it's so stupid. And I love Solo; I think he's got a great presence and a good worker. I'll say this about Jimmy: Compare Jay Uso's theme song to Jimmy's new song. And Jimmy way won out on the on the theme song battle. Because Jay's is just like a remix, a worse version of the Uso's theme song. We gotta hit that up on
1: YouTube with, with the time. <laughs> He's time. just like talking to himself the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's like it's all me now. Day one it's like what?
1: It sounds like he recorded himself singing in the mirror. <laughs> um. <laughs> and
0: they're like hey can we do y'all got any ideas for a new song jay ah oh, you get you're not gonna believe what i just put down here
1: Listen yeah, to it's just... <laughs> <laughs>
0: i I love the usos characters though like they remind me of two of my friends that i had growing up like they're exactly the same how they act character wise but i love the arm thing like you said the whole crowd doing it, it's a great visual and he like, i totally agree with you he has more star power now than when he was feuding with, with Roman and in this bloodline stuff. So, And I think it's great, too, because him and Sammy were the key to the bloodline angle, to me. And they're already setting up them kind of reuniting again, which I think the fans will eat up, and I will eat up, too, because I think it's a great pairing uh, overall. But I'll ask you one more question before we blow past the women's match, because we don't have anything to say about it. They are also doing a storyline where, because he's on Raw now— Raw needs to trade over someone away for Jade, like the SmackDown. And a lot of people have speculated that could be Sammy to kind of like break up the, the locker room, like an add, add tension because he said it like – Adam Pierce said it like, well, somebody's going to have to go to SmackDown, and you're going to be even more hated because of this now. And people have said Sammy. I thought it might be Cody, actually. That could be a way Cody – because that would at least explain why he – made this happen somehow uh, that he needed to get the SmackDown to fight Roman for some reason, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense when you could just win the rumble. But I wonder what they're going to do with that. Like who's going to leave raw and going to piss everybody off and make them hate Jay more.
1: Oof. I mean, Cody seems like the likely choice again, but it's that weird baby face booking. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's again, it's one of those things where, Okay. The person who wins the Rumble, I'm going to assume, is going to fight Roman, right? So even by switching to SmackDown, that doesn't necessarily guarantee him the WrestleMania spot. Um, So I don't know. But breaking up Kevin and Sammy, I hadn't thought about that. And that could be interesting. Um, Like Sammy back on SmackDown, I just don't want him to get involved with the bloodline again unless he's winning the title.
0: Yeah, I personally don't want that to happen because I think that they have a great thing with the team on top of it. Uh, They've been very valuable to the show itself and made it better. Uh, And on top of it, like you said, Sammy going right to the bloodline. We've been there and done that. And unless he's going to win the title, which I don't think he will. But if that happened, that would change my opinion, obviously. But if not, then I'd just rather him stay away. And I think they have a lot more interesting things going on, again, to bring back to where we started. This show had five Raw matches and one SmackDown match. Without Roman Reigns, SmackDown's just a sinking ship, pretty much.
1: Yeah, and um, okay, it's very reminiscent of like the Cody-verse, right? Yeah. Where there is the bloodline, and then there's everything else that happens outside of it. And You know, imagine if AEW... And I think that's what's exciting about Jey Uso right now, right? Is remember, like, Cody's last feud, I think, in AEW? Or, like, towards the end, he had that pay-per-view match with, like, Andrade, Pac, and Malachi, And that was so fucking exciting because it was the first time that Cody, like, sort of left his universe. And it was like, wow, he feels part of the show now. Um, So, like, for me, it's... You know, imagine the Cody verse without Cody, and then you have the fucking QT Marshall and (laughs) Dustin Rhodes show, which, like, not very exciting to me. And I think that's kind of what you have right now with the bloodline. Like, you know, one of my hot takes would be is like, I do not care about Paul Heyman. He's very much like The Miz to me, where I think he's done the same fucking thing for so long. I like, whenever he talks, it's just, there's nothing meaningful there's nothing authentic and not in the way of like oh he's a slime bag but just in terms of like these words hold no fucking weight like this is just the same thing you've always said it doesn't matter you're gonna say the same type of promo and like he is by far in my opinion the worst part of the bloodline um like and I don't know, I, I think that Jimmy and Solo, if they're running their own tag team right now, almost, because you could do something like Roman's gone and now everyone's gunning for them, right? But it's just, yeah, it's literally Literally,
0: in 10 seconds, you've crafted a better storyline than they, than they are doing, actually, with that, because that would actually make sense. It would be good. And I totally agree with you on Heyman. Way overrated on the mic, in my opinion, uh, just yep. for the same reason you said. But we go to the women's title match uh, on Raw, Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez. Like you said, we just saw her spear KO through the table or not through the table, through the barricade. Uh, this match went forever. Barely anything happened. The only thing I noted was when Rodriguez hit her with a forearm to the face and knocked her nose ring out. Uh, so you could see or a piercing rather, not a ring, but a it knocked her piercing out. and You could see blood trickle down <laughs> from the from the nose. So we had a little bit of blood in this match, too. They didn't uh, fix it or anything like that. But in the end, I mean, 17 minutes of this. What were they thinking?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, like, OK, another thing, right? Like Raquel hitting the bat pose. It, it's soulless. Like, it's just the yeah. same shit over and over. I'm like, surely, like, you, I'm like do you feel good about doing this? Or do you just feel like an <laughs> asshole? Like, <laughs> I mean, and, and like, that's very mean, but like, dude, you've just been doing this back post for like, it's like Tony Nice with the abs, but at least Tony Nice says other things now, does other things. And it's crazy that in 17 minutes, no character came through Raquel whatsoever. And we you know what I was hoping for at the very least was like, yeah, like Hobbs versus Miro. Right. Which we'll talk about. This yes. could have been that. And it just was nothing. And again, it's like they have the problem of having a champion who is a star and having absolutely no one else in the division that they're willing to pit against her. Um, Because like, I mean, you have Becky, um, yeah. but like, Damn, they just, they have nothing for Rhea. And I think that is, like, the big issue. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, I uh, i really didn't like this. Nothing else to say. <laughs> I don't know why I expected a big Japan, like, strong match. But I was like, that's what this should have been. Um, because, like, Raquel can't do a lot of fucking big moves anyway. So it's, much as you throw just as simple as possible Um, yeah
0: and it's a shame because her attack a few weeks ago before they did the injury angle on Rhea was very impactful very exciting very you know she really manhandled Rhea and like that's something you don't get to see a lot you know, she was fired up, threw her into the post, just slammed her around, Raging Bull style, you know. Uh, She was like, Te voy a patiera culo, Mamacita. There, she was saying all this stuff there, and I was like, man, she's got something here. And then you see the match, and uh, that was literally like, I'm going to kick your ass, Mamacita, in Spanish, by the way. (laughs) I She she said that. Um, And she was like, she's got something. And then... This match happened and it was just nothing. Like you said, so soulless. That's a great word to describe her in this match. I mean, the back flex was cool, maybe the first time she did it. And it's like, okay, like you're jacked. We we get it. Uh, But instead, like you said, this could have been the meat match. And instead we got we went full vegan on this vegan meat. (laughs) No meat whatsoever in this match. And it, it made it worse. Uh, you know, very very poor match. I, I I gave this like one and a half stars. Like it's like a two star match to drug on forever. I made it more boring.
1: Yeah, I I gave this a one and a half. Yeah,
0: um, <laughs> see, we're on the same page. We're grading all the matches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: uh.
0: But that said, boring match. Like there's not a lot to say. in... They're going to do a rematch, and now this time Dominic will not be allowed at ringside. So hopefully they learned from this and something. They can tap into something more. But like you said, the main problem is you've got one big program, which we're going to try to hold out for, for WrestleMania. And these next few months, there's just nobody there. They need to try somebody new, and I don't know who that would be. This gives something, like, work at an angle similar to what they've done with Gable and Gunther, which has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, They had a great match on Raw. Very emotional. The crowd loves Gable. They got behind him. They have people in this division, like, if they wanted to do something with, that could at least get a good and interesting match out of them. And I think they're probably going to build to live Morgan as well after this because her and Raquel were tag partners. But... Give give me some Ziya Lee on this. Do do some you know, <laughs> have her knock Rhea Ripley out or somebody out make her a dangerous threat. It could be her, so, like somebody. Indie, like you've got uh, at least you can have fun promos with her. She's got size. You can have another power matchup if you want, or or somebody smaller. You could do something with on on there. They've got different people, but they just don't want to do anything. It's just goofy on Raw.
1: Yeah, uh, and. Uh, Last thing, real quick. But, you know, Rhea and Dom at this point, because I forgot Dom was in this too, but there's really, it's just like if you put goth makeup and bondage onto Carmella and James Ellsworth, like that's the paint job. There's no difference. And I'm so over it. Like, it's just awful. And I think it diminishes Rhea's run as a champion a lot. Like, so.
0: And the fans aren't with the same page. Because they hate Dominic, but Ripley's popular with the fans. They always chant mommy for her. And you'd think Goth Pank and Bondage would make things better, but somehow it makes it worse than mm-hmm. before. This is how bad they are. They're ruining good things on their own. Judgment Day overexposed again. Once again, but uh they're setting up a match on SmackDown. EO and Asuka finally happening in a couple of weeks. Uh, they set that up, so that's going to be something cool to look forward. Hopefully they get a pay-per-view match next month, and maybe SmackDown can have their own match one day <laughs> on a pay-per-view, but it wasn't here, because we went to the main event. As I said, Nakamura, great angle they've ran. Some of the best work between this and the Gable and Gunther deal, two of the best storylines they've crafted in forever. Nakamura versus Seth Rollins for the title, and I love the way that this feud, and I'll talk about the match, and we'll talk about the match in a second, but I just love the way all of this has really brought Seth back to reality because I really hated his character for a long time. The the dancing and the the sing-alongs, which is still there. The fans love the song, and they're going to sing it for him no matter what. But they actually got him to be somewhat realistic, talking about his family, bringing Becky into it, bringing his, his child into it, talking about how his career could come to an end. I think this angle would be like a feud of the year angle if it was with somebody besides him, because the problem with this is this whole match. And I thought personally that Nakamura did some of his best work in a long time. I haven't been a Mm -hmm. big fan of his run in WWE, but if you look at this match, he was completely to his game plan, going to the back, hitting hard, trying to injure Seth and going after it constantly in the match. But Seth He can't help himself from doing all of this stuff that he always does. He literally did a a kip-up in the match. Why? Why why did you need to do the kip-up? Why did you need to run up the ropes to to hit the Frankensteiner? I did like that they said that he would normally do the the superplex into the Falcon Arrow, but instead he changed it to the Frankensteiner, which I think is – that's enough for me. It's kind of silly when you think about it. Like, it's still going to hurt. You're flying to the ground on your face. But at least you do. You changed it a little bit. But then he does the kip-up and just erases all this good stuff that we've done so far. So that was my problem with the match. I still think it was a worthy main event, and I love the story. But I th- wish that he had actually just had a, a hint of just used your psychology stuff for this match.
1: Yeah, Nakamura's performance was sort of neutered by, like, Rollins' performance, right? Rollins' in-ring work was sort of antithetical to Nakamura's psychology, and it wasn't in the sense of, like, you can't break my back, right? He's not, like, he's not, like, cracking his back, like, fucking, you know, Wagner Jr., Jr. cracking his neck or whatever. (laughs) Um, Best spot of the year. Um, Every time it happens, I, like, I feel like I puff puff my chest up. It's so cool. Um, But, uh, like, Totally agreed. Nakamura had the laser sights on for this. I loved the intro, all of that stuff, and like, I really think that this could have done better in the opener, and like, just flipped the opener in the main event. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but this was really the match where like Rollins's sort of performativeness came through, um, and the sense of like. Man, when he hits the curb stump, when he hits these moves, it really feels almost like the like when you play wrestling games and you're doing like the creator wrestler and you're going through all the moves and it has like the little previews. It looks like that in the sense of like, I'm gonna hit this move, but there's not like the the haptic feeling in it as much, right? Like it's all very loose. Um, it doesn't feel as impactful. And right now and and I mean, like granted, this back injury is fucking legit as far as I know, like apparently his back is fucked up, but it kind of reminds me of like Thunder Rosa's reign, where it feels like it feels like the champion isn't quite able to match their performance before winning the title right now, yeah, um. And I I like Rollins for the most part. Like, I think he definitely is one of the stronger performers in WWE when he's really like on. But right now it feels like he's he's performing more than fighting. And I know that's like a weird thing to say with wrestling. Right. But like L.A. Knight versus The Miz is a match of total fucking performance but it works because they're on like the same wavelength. But Nakamura is working like a, a Jay white, like Hawkeye's just, I'm going to break your goddamn back and do nothing else. Like Roddy strong, like just, yeah. you know, totally focused in Rollins, just trying to get his shit in. Um, and I think that's where it really clashes. Um, so they are continuing this Nakamura Rollins feud now, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, and afterwards, they did this really awkward ending to the show where it just felt like Nakamura was pacing on the outside, super pissed, and he just stood in the ring. It was like like two or three minutes straight of just him sitting in the ring, I was like, well, when's the attack coming? But then they did the attack after the show happened, and they were like – they did another uh, subtitled video for Nakamura where he said, hey, I'm coming for the title again, and I'm going to destroy you.
1: See, this is why, like, that that right there, I feel like you definitely could have switched these two matches. Yeah. I think there's something about losing in a main event, right, versus yeah. an opening match. Even if it's still the world title, I think there's a big, big difference there. And I think that for the next match, should Nakamura win, that's when you could slot them in the main event. Um, and I think, like, just the, the go-home image of Becky having defeated Trish, um, and then Zoe turning on Trish and then you could even have a stare down between Becky and Zoe while Trish is laid the fuck out in the <laughs> ring too. like there's just a lot more meat there. And then having Nakamura, you know, turn on Rollins afterwards again, I, I think, or just continue the feud. It would have been better in the opener. But um, yeah, I-, I just really hope Shinsuke wins the title. He feels super inspired right now, which yeah, is totally. great. He has fire underneath him, which is great um huge Nakamura fan like I never complained too much about his w w e work because he really has given us like spoiled us so much, right and I think like we're seeing the difference now between like him and tanahashi, where it's like tanahashi it's like i mean dude, he's just on like a fucking. Skewer right now, and they're just cooking oh, yeah. it, dude. And he deserves like that break, and he just never got it because he was never in a position where I feel like in WWE, like Nakamura's really gotten to take a step back, and now he can show up for these moments, you know, um rather than struggle to always put that thing on. So I'm not going to complain, but I really hope that this is the beginning because this is starting to feel like when Nakamura and AJ. It was like, okay, he's going to win, right? And then it just didn't happen, and I'm really hoping they capitalize on it this time. I hope
0: so, too. I think this is by far his best WWE work, and I thought the entrance for him was phenomenal. Like The -hmm. uh, the anime-inspired entrance they had, or manga-inspired, with storytelling was so cool. Uh, It made him seem like a superstar. And even at the start of the match, you saw, you heard some chants still where there was a, a contingent of fans that were chanting for Nakamura, too, against him. Uh, I think that he's just a, on a top level right now, and I love the storyline. I love everything about it. I even loved Rollins' promos. I thought the serious take on Seth was really needed and really helped add some depth to this like character, which I said I did not like at all. And I think they did a great job. And they did a lot right in this match, especially Nakamura. But there was just that extra 10 to 15 percent that if they had taken those parts out, it would have been a really good match. Instead, it, it was more like a three and three and a quarter star instead of like a four, or four and a quarter star, you know?
1: Yeah, totally agreed.
0: Show overall, um, the cage match was where it was at, and I think that the, the tag match was so out of control that – if you just turn your brain off, there's enjoyment to be had by the performance of Kevin Owens. But outside of that, and the main event I thought was a worthy story, uh, and they they continue it, so that's something. But the cage match was really the only thing I would really recommend from the show, and and maybe the tag match, just because it was such an out-of-control spectacle, more than a good match.
1: Yeah, overall, um, I would say it was like the the bookends were probably the only ones I would go back to watch. Very fun to see Kevin Owens live his life to the fullest. Um, Outside of that, again, it's like one of those things where I I pretty much only watch the pay-per-views. And going into the next one, outside of Nakamura and Seth, um, I can't say there's a lot I'm looking forward to. I just really hope there's a Gunther match on the next pay-per-view.
0: Gunther and Gable, Iron Man match. That's what we need right now. Settle the score. Get revenge for the daughter. Which was a great match. It's on YouTube. It's like 11 minutes. But still, uh, they worked so hard. The crowd loved it. I just love seeing Gable. Gable, to me, was has always been one of the top performers in WWE. And to see him get his roses is so cool. Uh, so highly recommend that match. And hopefully they have a match in the pay-per-view next month. And uh, we will see what happens with Nakamura and Seth again. See if there's a gimmick to it. See what they have planned. They also inserted uh, Ricochet a little bit. Uh, in the feud on Raw, Monday, they did an angle where uh, basically Seth said, hey, you want a title shot? I'll give you a title shot right now. And Nakamura was like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> and Seth was like, screw this. And then Ricochet went up to Seth and was like, listen, I, you're killing yourself, Seth. You don't have to carry Raw alone. You've got help with me. And uh, Nakamura started to attack Seth, and Ricochet ran out to save him. And they did a match where it was Ricochet versus Nakamura, but Nakamura just blasted Ricochet with the steel chair and destroyed him. And then Seth tried to save him, but Nakamura got the one-up on him in the end.
1: Hell yeah, Nakamura. Let's go.
0: So that has been our WWE portion. And now let's get into the All Out. Uh, the The show with so much surrounding it. I'll just ask you right away here, despite everything, because we knew about what happened, potentially a person who wants to feud with Kevin Owens, (laughs) based on some reports out there, um, getting fired right before this show happened. What did you what were your feelings on this show? Because a lot of people talked about how bad it was to do to do a show right after all in to do this show next week. A lot of the matches didn't have any build up to it at all. Were you affected by that, or were you just like, "Screw it, It's gonna be a show with a lot of people I like on it. It's gonna be good wrestling, and yeah, it's not built well, but oh well,
1: um, yeah, I can't pretend like my excitement level was very high. um, yeah. I did, however, though, I would say, like Saturday morning once I saw the news, <laughs> I got <laughs> so excited, yeah, me I too. was you, so you, excited.
0: you mess it. you texted me right when that happened. Uh, two did
1: I oh my god yeah. that's so funny
0: yeah yeah you, uh, like five exclamation points on, on that, when <laughs> that <happened. laughs>
1: yeah like it's just it's a great feeling it felt like uh the gray cloud was just removed and to see something actually be done about it right because we were talking about that like it's the same fucking thing nothing's being done he's just been given more and so it, in like a world where literally it's like people just get more power, like no matter how fucked up they are, it was <laughs> very refreshing. It was very, very refreshing. Um, So once the pay-per-view started, I, I mean, honestly, it's hard for me to talk about the show as a whole, right, with the pacing and yeah. everything because – it was after Joe and Shane Taylor, I pretty much tapped out just because I was sick and like I was not really able to process what was happening. Yeah. Um, but like this is my all time favorite AEW pay-per-view. I can't think of another pay-per-view where I mean, for me, once it hit like from Luchasaurus and Darby all the way to the end, I thought those were all matches that I would watch again pretty much. Like and that to me was just like it's just constant hits. And one of these matches for
0: me is like like that's probably my match of the year, in, at least in America and maybe the whole world. Like they're like and there was three that I would say were legitimately like four and a half star plus, like four and a half, four, three quarter, or five star yep. level. And like you said, everything was pretty good after that. So uh the show itself, yeah, the show Definitely delivered everything you would want out of a pay-per-view. The build-up to it, I totally agree with the critics of it, to be honest with you. Even into All In, I agreed with the critics. I think the build-up wasn't any better for that. And here we have this show kind of thrown together. But like you said, the news of the firing and everything actually probably heightened my interest and heightened a lot of people's interest to see just how this crew would do. And I think pretty much everybody on this roster – and I'm not saying it was because he's gone – you know, as much as we want it to be, probably. (laughs) I'm not going to say that go that far and say it was because he was gone. But I think a lot of these guys on this show had a chip on their shoulder and extra pep in their step to deliver and make this show, which everybody trash talked, everybody counted it out. The company's in disarray. They want to still make it worth it for this show in front of, you know, uh, 9,800 people in the United center. So, uh, with the show zero hour happened, uh, it was all right <laughs> like, overall. Like there was some good stuff. Uh, the highlight of it was clearly Hikaru Shida and Athena, uh, facing off in the women's six woman tag, but they were all like two, two and a half star matches uh, pretty much. And hangman won the battle Royal and they set that up for what happened in a great segment on dynamite with hangman and swerve. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Although we do have to wonder how was swerve in a coffin for two weeks. Like he how did he fly to America in a coffin?
1: Um he the the demeter ship the same one Dracula came across on? Oh okay. That's I thought
0: Two people who uh, uh, many people say are very similar, Swerve Strickland and Dracula.
1: House <laughs> uh, of Wrestling reports that Swerve <laughs> Strickland was uh, not greeted at Heathrow Airport and was forced to take the Demeter. <laughs> <laughs> who
0: who were those sources, Houseman? Oh, no, I, 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 let me see your source for that. I think somebody's been telling lies. That's been talking to some of these sources uh, <laughs> we may be talking to about a little bit. But um, the main show started and. It started off with the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles. Once again, uh, same as the uh, All In, where it was the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, and they took on Better Than You, Bay, Adam Cole and MJF. I mean, this is another thing. I know the fans love this whole deal, but I'm just really not a fan of Cole and MJF. I, I, th- I think their stuff is so cheesy. You heard the crowd. I mean, they loved it. The kangaroo kick chants were going crazy. Uh, they did the, the trope with MJF going injured, but then he had to run back down to save him. It was like, I feel like this whole feud and this whole angle is like a, some sort of meta angle, like discussing the state of wrestling because you have every trope possible and every cheesy one on top of it. I, I don't know. I I didn't think this was a great match personally
1: no the matches are always so overblown like mjf being taken to the back blah 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 like if you put this match and then the the angle in between and the joe match after is like the opening of a dynamite that's a great opening to dynamite but this felt so unnecessary just a way to get the people on the show and again like i think that this could have happened on dynamite um like, my my thoughts pretty much for this match and the one after, just very filler. Um, Like, nothing really of note. The whole MJF being taken out angle extended this match way too long. Um, And again, I think you could have had a better match without that on Dynamite, you know. Do a tag team battle royale on the pre-show, whatever. Have the pre-show end with... M J F coming out, signaling the belts to Dark Order. Whatever, you know, just get him on the show, have him make an appearance, pop the crowd. Um, shit, you could have done it on Collision the night before, you know. Um, and then with Joe and Taylor as well, it was very cool to see Shane Taylor on a pay per view, um, but just a very empty kind of pointless match ultimately.
0: Yeah. Like it
1: felt like just a way to put Joe over. But again, this felt like such a television angle to open a pay-per-view. And if there was one weakness, I would say that would be the biggest one.
0: Totally agree. It's like these are total filler matches in both cases. Dis- even with my distaste for Adam and MJF, it's dark order challenging. You know, <laughs> they're not going to put the titles on them. Like, What was the point of this other than to just continue this MJF deal? And Shane Taylor, I, hey, I'm a big fan of Shane Taylor's. I think he's a, a really good big guy wrestler. Mm-hmm. And for, I mean, it was like a five-minute match, but still, what they did was still pretty fun. Uh, him and Joe, I thought Shane is a really good guy that I hope that they give some time. Uh, I'd love to see him see him use Dynamite. I'd love to see him and Keith Lee reform their tag team that they had back in the old school days of <laughs> Ring of Honor. I think they'd be really good together. Uh, you could have a good big guy team between them. And they did kind of set up the thing with Joe and MGF as well, where Joe shoved him and that set up the angle on Dynamite as well, which uh, all intents and purposes, it looks like Joe will be the next challenger for the title.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, the 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 whole purpose for both these matches is what happened in between. Yeah. Um and again, like, I think that Shane could have got better visibility on TV. Yeah. Maybe he could have got more time, whatever. But and then the whole, like, just interaction and everything between MJF and Cole, I really did not like Um, and our MJF and Joe. Sorry. And a lot of that has to do with Adam Cole. Like yeah. their relationship is hitting parody level. In terms of Cole, like, Max! Max! Like, he's feeling just as cartoony as fucking Roddy at this point. But at least <laughs> Roddy is fun. Like, yeah. Cole just kind of feels like this annoying friend. I, I don't know, but like it really feels like Dennis and Mac from It's Always Sunny. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, they feel like Dennis and Mac. Like, MJF's just a bastard and then Mac's like, hey, are you okay? Uh, do, do you need a tissue, my friend? Um, And Yeah, I don't know, but I'm thrilled to discuss the rest of the (laughs) pay-per-view.
0: Who is the D of AEW?
1: The D? Tony Storm.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Who was freaking awesome. Chin up, tits out, watch the shoe.
1: Such a great line. Such a great line. I did. Um, I love
0: all this. Uh, I have to mention, I have to praise myself for this. I said that she was the most entertaining part. The only person more entertaining than Juice was his wife on the show. I did say that. And she is proving it every every week. Whereas Roddy, as I said last episode, he is the Tommy Wiseau of of wrestling. Like, this guy cannot act uh, at, at all. And, like you said, it's gotten to the point now. I hate it because I love him so much and I want him to be a wonderful wrestler and I loved when he beat Jericho and I thought they had something with him and he's awesome. And he always has been, but I'm starting to come around because he's so over the top that, like you said, at least if I turn my brain off, I can have fun with it. Even though I wish he was not doing what I, I wish they were doing something else with him.
1: Um, I forgot what I was gonna say, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, well, oh, I'm, I was gonna say, do you think Brian Danielson could be Charlie?
0: Absolutely.
1: Like just I mean, two lovable weirdos. I, I look
0: at that picture that uh, that Fightful always post whenever they have a quote for him, that, with that weird look in his face <laughs> that they. Yeah. Have.
1: I feel like he could be like, um, oh my God, he's like, I like ghouls, goblins, milk steaks. You'd be like, what? He's like, it's normal, dude. Trees, uh, you know, apples, Apple's sperm, sperm. dude. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bud. I
0: love it. I love Ryan Danielson, and I will talk about my love for him next. But first, we have to talk about our love for the next match, which uh, has a lot of lovable people in it, and Luchasaurus as well. Christian, can we not mention a white turtleneck he came out with for this match here? Um, they fully enlisted Darby and Nick as a partnership, Nick Wayne, uh, AR Fox was not here, uh, you know, but, uh, with that said, hopefully they'll continue that. And he's not just forgotten. <laughs> like it kind of seems like he will be, um, but we have Luchasaurus and Darby and you, and you, this is where you said the show really picked up for you.
1: Yeah. Um, you know this. I thought this was probably Luchasaurus, like one of Luchasaurus's best single matches I've seen. Right. Um, he had that violence in his move set, um, and I mean, granted, Darby is. If there's one thing Darby's great at, it's bumping. Um, and you know, I thought he just threw his ass around. The finish was super impactful. Um, like to me, the one thing that Luchasaurus needs to just because I'm starting to really enjoy this TNT reign. Yeah. Um, like because the thing is that Christian's sh- chicken shitness, right, dealing with it is being backed up and like supplemented well with Luchasaurus's in ring defenses. Um, because you know, if you have Christian, he's talking all this shit, and then the matches are just kind of not great. Like, we're getting sort of the best of both worlds here. Um, more than anything, I just think he needs a name change. It's like how when Roman stopped wearing the vest, like I think that was the best thing he's ever done. Um, <laughs> and I feel like Luchasaurus could keep the mask, but just bring back like the the Lucha Underground, like energy to the name, like what was it? Vibora yeah, or Vibora. whatever. Yeah. Give us something that sounds fucking evil. Um, and but yeah, I thought that this was like just like one of those good derby matches in the sense of big man, small man, and I'm gonna get my ass beat.
0: I uh Darby to me has to be one of the best like in ring performers in the in the company where any situation we saw it on Dynamite against Nick Wayne this past week. Whether it's that or a big guy like Luchasaurus or Joe, obviously they had some legendary series hardcore yep. technical like he gets the absolute best out of every weapon in his arsenal, uh, you know, in the in the ring. And here we also saw a little bit of the dramatics with the finish where basically Christian was going to destroy Nick Wayne with a concerto. But that that distracted Darby to where Luchasaurus could hit the tombstone and then the big lariat to the back, which was freaking great. Yes. Um. But yeah, Luchasaurus totally agree. Best work of his career here. And I was really doubtful on this title reign at first. But I'm starting to come around again on this. I think that they're doing better things with him, and he's delivering what he needs to with Christian at his side. I do also think. I think that there could be a little bit of explanation given for why he's helping this jackass, pretty much character that's stealing your title. Like, why can't you just be the sole champion? Uh, On there, Uh, you know, why why are you helping this guy? Why why are you loyal to him when he's clearly using you (laughs) to be the champion and being the you know? And eventually they'll break up probably, and that'll lead to a great moment. But I wish that there was an explanation more given besides just, oh well, you know, we both hated Jungle Boy. (laughs) But uh, with that said, still a great match uh, overall. And the next match was also a very strong match, and definitely. Made by the crowd. Uh, Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs here. This was meat. This was meat personified. There was meat up and down everyone's wazoo in this match. You could <coughs> not get a meatier pro wrestling match than what we saw here in this meat fest, which obviously saw the meatiest one of all, Miro, get the win.
1: Yeah. Um. This was awesome. This was a match that, I mean the main comparisons I think that I've seen have been um, swerving our glory versus the acclaimed um, where the crowd really put these fucking people over to the next level. Um, like the chance the meat stuff, like that's something where these are guys, like these two guys created, it feels like a match type in AEW. Now, like we've gotten big man matches, like, cause we even got like, Joe versus Wardlow versus Hobbs, but none of them ever really hit that level of like meat. Right. And this crowd, I think that this is a match that both guys, it's a star making performance for like, you know, Miro who's come out in a fucking tank before, but I think this is exactly what both these guys needed. Um, Hobbs looks, I don't think Hobbs lost anything in defeat here. I'm excited for the feud to presumably continue. Um, them doing the predator handshake thing was so badass as opposed that to was the normal fun. one. That was yeah. good. Yeah. Cause again, I that's, that's like scoop. this, the small little storytelling that makes them feel a level above other competitors. Right. Um, it really made them feel larger than life. Also, I was going to say, sorry, my mic was muted uh, when you were talking about Lucha and Christian oh. and their backstory. Um, but it kind of feels like undertaker when he helped vince at wrestlemania against yeah. shane or whatever it's like yeah. okay whatever but yeah um i totally agree that it, that is missing but um no this was a really fun match um like i said this is what ah oh, this is what reya versus raquel should have been um and i thought that this like, Luchasaurus hitting that lariat on a Darby's back, if that sort of set the tone, then this really heightened the pace in terms of, like, the physicality of this show. Um, and I think that that's the big difference, right, between WWE and between AEW, is that WWE in-ring style feels so predicated on hitting the move, and AEW feels predicated on hitting the wrestler. Yeah. Great um great point. And it's like I mean you know you look at the way Biff Busick would hit a half and half in WWE versus on the Indies and it's like that's all you really gotta know. But um, yeah, I love this match. I gave it three and a uh, three and three fours. Um, I really gave excited. it the same rating. Hey, <laughs> well, what, really did you s- give,
0: what did you give Darby and Lucha? Uh,
1: three and a half. Ah,
0: the same rating. We Let's have go. the same it uh man this is crazy like we're having all the same ratings on these matches Uh, (laughs) unbelievable but uh, the one complaint i have about this is that i really wanted them to just just leave it at the handshake like just be a team like going forward like the (laughs) the fans would have loved it if they had just united and i think even now i think there's still a lot of fans that would love to see these two pair up and just be an awesome badass team I am 1 billion percent for that. To me, Miro is another one of these guys. I said Darby was one of the best in-ring performers. I honestly believe Miro is one of their top overall talents. Like, again, if we're doing the scout game.
1: His promos are fucking unreal. And it's like – Always. When he just started, like them, I was just like, where did this come? I mean it's because Lana was always his mouthpiece in the WWE. But I'm like, damn, dude. Like he really is like – and the thing about his promos too is that they are fucking eloquent, man. Like they are, they are brilliantly written. Like, and each one has like a punch in it. It's not just like you're a little bitch, Max. It's like, it's like you're gonna learn the pain of God. I'm like, what? That's <laughs> crazy. They all sound like mosh calls. And um, yeah. Uh, so talking about wanting to see them team. Totally agree. And maybe like, you know, my ideal fantasy book in here, selfishly, would be something like um, the formation of the bar when Sheamus and Cesaro did that best of seven series, you know, which is in them being just a badass tag team rather than, you know, just having it be the respect here and then them beginning a team, becoming a team, you know, having that sort of finding that commonality and, you know, beating each other to the point of death and being like, All right, let's we can we can make something from this, right? Yeah, um, so like that, that would be a really fun continuation of the feud, should it culminate in them teaming together. Um, I think that could be really fun. And weirdly enough, it's one of those things where AEW went from you know being the deepest tag division to really needing new teams. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. Because they're kind of lost right now after the FTR at Young Bucks deal. And they obviously teamed up on this show. So I totally agree. That's the dream is that these two do, do team up. But I love your idea. And they did reunite Miro uh, with CJ, uh, his wife here. So I And a lot of his promo was like, I've forsaken. Because like for a long time, he was saying how he was God's favorite champion. And you know bringing the wrath of God to everybody. But then he forsaked god and also his wife uh so, somehow so i guess now he's getting back to where he was before as the redeemer he's found his wife and they he kind of but he didn't really accept it he was kind of like hey what are you doing here you know was kind of his reaction it wasn't a uh, heartwarming reuniting it was just like hey this is a plot point yeah. of the story
1: <laughs> yeah i honestly completely forgot she came out but it, it's a good wrinkle
0: Oh, and then he
1: Uh, said, "You're not real." And yeah, it's very 80s film, dude. And it's it's wild that I mean, if we want to get into the theory of it, right? Like, um, Miro definitely is like in opposition to C.J. Perry. It's like she almost exists as like this castrative force, where it's like if he embraces her, it's like he loses almost. And I don't know. I'm excited to see how they continue to elevate this insanity. It's very like <laughs> Paul Verhoeven, you know, Flesh and Blood, Robocop, Total Recall. It just has that fucking wild genre energy. Um, and like these fantastical religious elements, Hobbs and Meat, like sign me yes. up. It's the kind of weird I like.
0: Yeah, This has everything into it. Now, now that you've mentioned it, it has every possible like type of storyline all melded into one. So I totally agree with what you were saying. Uh, Let's see if our dual ratings can continue with this. Uh, The TBS title, Uh, Chris Statlander defending against Ruby Soho here. And I will say to me, this was like the like this was a step down from all the other matches. But if you compare it to like Ripley and Raquel, then it was a lot better uh, overall. It's just the pay-per-view surrounding it, especially the match coming after it. (laughs) I thought was like such an amazing match, an amazing show. Uh, this did feel like a bit of a step back. But for the title reign, I think it's another solid defense It's stats, uh, TBS reign. And Soho, I definitely think, continues to be one of the bright spots of the division, which has faced a lot of criticism uh, for a long time now. But I thought she's done a good job. And they're continuing with the Outcast breakup with Tony Storm, who I think – Tony is just too entertaining. Like she's, she's going to turn herself babyface, I feel like, eventually. Uh, but they're continuing to the break up with the Outcast, and Stat gets another good title defense here. What did you think?
1: I really liked it.
0: Um, I had this at three and a quarter as my rating. What about you?
1: I did three and a half. Yes. We have. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um. One and quarter I,
0: star difference,
1: baby. Yeah, let's argue now. Yes. Um, I really, yeah, I really disagreed with Meltzer on this. I, I don't know why he gave it two and a half. Um, positives of this match: it did a really great job at maintaining the intensity established in Miro and Hobbs. I thought, like, this was hard hitting. Ruby has really gotten like. You know, like you said, she's a bright spot in the division. I think she's someone who you can actively see, like, sort of entering, like, her prime era. Um, you know, WWE, the style, like, it's just very limiting, right? And I think that sometimes coming out of that, like, you know, when Andrade first came back, and or first came in AEW, the, the matches were kind of lacking, right? Same thing, like, seeing, like, Metalik, like, some of these guys and, you know, just people just work a different style and realize, like, okay, I, I don't have to do all this. But even some of, like, the crispness and, again, like, the force is lost. And, yeah, like I said, like, the easiest way to get me interested and um, or invested into your match is to have hard-hitting qualities um, just because it, it provides that base level of, like, realism that are, like, even just, like, energy that I can chew on, right? Um, my biggest complaints with all the outcast matches have been that um, – Interference, you know, just like Judgment Day. Um I believe there was only the one spot at the end of the match that involved Soraya and Tony. Um, and I liked it because it didn't have like it it wasn't obnoxious and it served a narrative purpose. And I think that Statlander looked strong enough in the match overall that it didn't diminish the finish for me necessarily. And what I also like, too, is that Statlander still felt strong and Ruby didn't lose too much in terms of another, you know, high profile loss on a pay-per-view. So for me, like, this was a good match in terms of what it set out to do. And more than anything, like, it's... It's like I'm happy that we got a good women's match that got over 10 minutes on a fucking pay-per-view. Like that's the base, the base you should be asking for, you know. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I'm really happy with Statlander's reign so far. I thought her defense against Emmy as well on Wednesday was great. Um, She's a wrestler who can really, you know, you can do these short bursts. Like, you know, we're going to talk about Danielson and Starks next, but the amount of physicality in Danielson and Starks in 16 minutes is like the same as Kento and Nakajima in 36, right? Both matches serve different purposes, but I think Stat is a really good performer at making every single match, no matter the time of the length, feel super intense. Not so much as like a get your shit in sprint, but more so as like making each thing really count and being able to format those different styles and still make them feel as full as a longer format as well.
0: Yeah, I really agree with you uh, on that. And I think I like what they're doing with stat. The thing is, it's always going to be a a problem with the division until they dedicate the TV time necessary for it. Uh, Overall, in addition to to this one, uh, in addition to the pay-per-view time rather. And but if you look at the performances, the talent's always there. Uh yes. Yeah, like the talent's always there up and down. And we saw a lot and they're trying to build some stuff. Uh on Twitter even or X with Soraya and Emmy Sakura. Soraya just looks like a just complete jackass on t- Twitter, as she normally does, but now in storyline at least. Um but I like what they're doing with, with these two and I like how where we're going here. Um, but overall, still a very good match, and I like what we're what we're seeing here. Uh, the next match, though, I'm going to take a, a second here, just take a second to breathe a little bit. Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starks.
1: You just took. Match. You just took a knee. You're like. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to take it out of respect. I, I'm building it up for you, so I want you to talk about this match, uh, and I do have to take a second to to leave anyway. So I'll be right back. Give give me one minute.
1: Okay. Um. So this match, fuck, I don't know. I feel so on the spot now.
0: <laughs>
1: oh man. I love this match. This was an absolute ass beater. Danielson is one of those guys who was just able to give everyone their best match. Um, you know, like when we watched you once and you have Ishii in there And he elevates people to other levels. And I think that there is a difference between the ways that Ishii and Danielson do it. With Ishii, it's like the – he doesn't let you work, like, at a minimum level. Yeah. And – oh, shit. Okay, you're back. Sorry. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. and he like he elevates you to that other level. Like he's really going to push you to that big match feel, whereas Danielson almost feels like, OK, to cap off Ishii, it's like you're the in-ring wrestling. Yeah. Danielson feels like he pushes you past a spiritual level of violence, Um, like in terms of. I'm trying to think like. What's a good example of this in Japanese wrestling? Um, Something I've watched recently. Just like the whole, like, I'm going to slap you in the face as hard as I can. And it's going to be that moment where, like, if you take it or if it's going to awaken something in you. And I feel like Danielson awakens the beast in individuals. And that is his whole thing is he wants to, like, bust you open, not to make you bleed, but to make you, like, ascend.
0: Um. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I totally agree kind of like how uh, an example of this uh, was kind of like uh, Shuri and, and Julia last year in their feud where that feud was ultimately they were rivals and bitter rivals and everything. But also it, the main goal of it was for Shuri to take Julia to the next level that she was yes. destined to be in stardom uh, there. So I totally get what you're saying. And I 100 percent agree. Uh, first of all. Like I said, I hope that uh, 10 seconds or whatever I was gone, you were praising Brian Anderson a lot uh, while I was gone. Because if you weren't, then I'm going to fill in for you and praise him some more. Because this man is so damn good at wrestling that <laughs> he could have – like he's missed multiple portions of this year due to injury or time off or, or whatever. And yet he's still – if you look at his resume this year, he's – He's untouchable. <laughs> like, if you look at his run earlier in the year with Roosh, Bandido, the MJF match was a, a to great catch match.
1: the TV match is one of my favorites of the year, too. I yeah. thought that was the match that really broke to catch it through the ceiling.
0: Oh, absolutely. And him versus Roosh is still... It was my AEW match of the year until this match happened. And that's Damn. the thing. He's, he's competing against himself, for pretty much. You know, it, it, whatever he has is the match of the year until he has another match of the year level match. And there's so many great wrestlers on the roster, and yet he still outshines all of them at his age, at his wear down, the time he's missed. It doesn't matter. Like, match stipulations... This man literally just walked in. He was a surprise. He saved the show because somebody else got his ass fired. He wasn't even booked for the show at all, originally, and yet here he is filling in in the strap match, defending Ricky the Dragon's steamboat. How can I not love that <laughs> that story beat? For the record, it doesn't. You know, it makes sense, but it basically came out of nowhere for you know Ricky Steamboat to be involved in it. The one good thing. The chick magnet did in his time was to bring in ricky steamboat uh, onto these shows and he the torch was passed to the one who should have it of course of brian danielson and i was thinking about this because you really hyped up ricky starks uh on the last episode and deservingly so i really agreed with you uh i know a lot of people criticized him but i was thinking man you're really gonna hold this guy down because it's a Jericho feud. You know, look at what he did against MJF. Look at the matches he had against Hobbs. Look at what he did in this match, having this amazing match. Uh, Starks deserves so much credit here uh, for stepping up and rising to Brian Danielson's level, not just in and, and, and a match that really isn't his style, because he is this flashy guy, super charismatic, yes. trash talker, and now he's getting brought into the gritty badass world of the American Dragon ba- Brian Danielson and he didn't just survive he thrived here so much so that they're already ba- practically turning him babyface with the promos uh you know like the fans are going to love him this guy just freaking rules great match five stars a uh, match of the year level match in the, the US in my opinion
1: you know what like Cody's TNT title reign really was one of the best things for the company in its early days because like it brought in Kingston it brought in Starks and like those are two of I think your brightest fucking characters in this company like the damn man um
0: and the most meaningful no-sell too (laughs) at this match too when Brian fired up uh, when Stark started to, to bright up, I think you heard the crowd chant, "You fucked up, you fucked up." Because Brian started to, to no sell and fire up. It was so meaningful and so good. And um, I could have done without the the big bill stuff at the end, but it, it was fine in, in the end. Everyone looked good in the end, and Brian ended up getting the win anyway. And I love the finish. <laughs> Uh, very much reminiscent of the Stone Cold and Bret Hart. And obviously this wasn't yeah. a WrestleMania match. It didn't have the build up. I wish that it had, I wish these two had been feuding for the last three months and this was the blow off, but it was still great. Even if it wasn't as good as the, like one of the greatest angles of all time, uh, the Austin Hart double turn, but still it was well done and great all along. And I, I really thought everything outside of that one thing with big bill was like a, a amazing, excellent match.
1: Yeah, I'd give this one four and three fourths. Um, The finish just looked fucking like gut wrenching. And Ricky Starks, just purple as hell, swollen face. They did a great job of that. Um, You know, you were saying you wish this was the blow off of a three month feud. Totally agree. I wish we had more story for this. But the violence, the intensity, and it felt like the importance of winning this match. Had that energy of like a blow off feud, and the fact that both guys were able to bring it to that literally on what 24 hour notice, not even like they, <sighs> they <built> like 12, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it really is amazing. It, um, I don't know, it's the strap definitely helped. Um, I think oh, totally. with like adding that extra element it needed and yeah stark showed up i think he's proven now that he is capable of really wrestling any style um because he typically holds his own if not shows up his competitors (laughs) like i think the jericho and hobbs feud um i think he carried both of those like i think hobbs is starting to really hit his stride as a wrestler i saw him once versus rocky romero at um defy That was the best match I ever saw him in. And he brought a lot of that intensity um, and variation to the Miro match, which I was like, yes, this is the shit I've been wanting to see. Um, And then um, I don't know, like, okay, on on another quick side note, but we'll get into this, like, I guess, with, you know, Claudio and then also Miro and Hobbs and just Danielson and a lot of wrestlers in this. But, you know, to me, this is such a tangent, but. Gunther one of the best qualities he has is the fact that he finishes people so many different ways yeah AEW is starting to really embrace that um and I am loving it um and that's to say in terms of like you know the uppercut finish Hobbs with his spine buster but then you know um Hobbs with the spine buster, you know, Orange Cassidy busting out the spear. There's just so many basic strongman moves like that that they're doing lately that can effectively end matches that are bringing a lot more suspense to me. Um, A lot more great false finishes. And yeah, this – sorry. To tie up Danielson and Starks is definitely one of the matches of the year for me.
0: No, don't apologize. I could listen to this all day (laughs) right now. One other thing too, a point you brought up. I want to shout out somebody right now that I'm becoming a big fan of. And that is uh, Stevie Richards' uh, YouTube channel. And he does like break that. This is stuff I wanted to do, to be honest. But he's doing it now, uh, doing a great job of it, where he just breaks down moves like one at a time. It goes over the psychology of them, but more so, even more than that, execution, which I think gets underplayed so much by some people. And he recently did a video on – he compared four different spears. It was Goldberg, um, Rhino, Roman Reigns was one, and Edge was the fourth. And he looked at the technique on all four and how they were the same move but how they did them different. I really love Ricky Starks' technique on his spear uh, right now. He has one of the best spears where, if you notice, when he launches into the guy, he like – when he wraps the arm around, he claps. So it makes it like more even, it makes it sound more devastating, like a thigh slap, but not geeky and lame. It was, it's actually (laughs) makes sense and cool.
1: No, and he, he also does the follow through as well, that whole like front, that front tuck or whatever, which, you know, helps so much with the visual impact of like, you know, you're hitting this and it's not like, um, like, unless you're Sekimoto and Okabayashi and it's just a total fucking impasse, it's like that I just hit you so hard. You know, it's like a car doing essentially just like a drive-by slam. Um, It's – I love it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so what would you give
1: this one, a five? you give it a fiver?
0: You know – Five is tough, but I think it's close. It'd have to be at least three, four and three quarters, I think, on uh, there. But I want to be different than you, so I'll just go with five now. <laughs> there, okay. I'll, I'll edit it later on in the year. But either way, it's still the match of the year in America.
1: For me. <laughs> One of my favorite things that Meltzer has said is someone asked him, how do you know it's a five-star match? And he said, you don't have to think about it. Yeah. And well, he's like, guess, if you have to ask yourself,
0: I and then I don't then I know – I guess you're right. I guess it's not then because I just thought about it.
1: No, uh, so I wasn't trying to do that. No, I, <laughs> I just like the sentiment issues.
0: You've taken away Brian's five-star match. Uh, uh, he'll move on Nello's part here. But no, um, like I said, it's still the best match in America to me <laughs> this year. So either way, uh, it will be remembered. At the year end of the year, we're going to do an award show on Wrestle Update, And uh, match of the year, this is the cl- the clubhouse leader for me right now. But up next, you mentioned – oh, before that, though, they did an angle where Nigel McGuinness came out and announces that Adam Page chose to give $50,000 to the Chicago Public Education Fund. A teacher himself, it makes sense of the storyline, and a good thing that AEW did here uh, to give charitable donations here. We love seeing that. Good stuff. Shout out to the kids out there. Hopefully it goes to a good use.
1: Oh, I had a <laughs> – what if during, like, when the Battle royals happened on the pre-show, rather than, you know, Justin Roberts being like, Brian Cage has been eliminated, he should have announced the charity that they were going to oh. donate to instead. Oh. He's like, the Chicago Public Library has been eliminated. It's just like... Yeah,
0: what a what a horrible idea that was. I think it would have, have,
1: add- it would have added a lot more suspense, you know. I don't care about Brian Cage winning, but I love libraries, so.
0: That's true, yeah, have the Red Cross.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Thankfully, they didn't do that, but uh, still, he got that. And they, you mentioned Claudio earlier. He was in the next match. Claudio and Wheeler Yuda taking on the team of Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. Eddie came out with the Claudio Sucks Egg shirt. So we're still doing the Terry Funk <laughs> tributes here. you got to love seeing that. And Shibata is Shibata, who he always is. Uh, this was a great match, uh, I thought. And I love Claudio. I think he is another guy that's like really one of the best in, in the business. Uh, I love what he did here. Uh, it's interesting when you look at the dis- differences here because you have Meltzer. He gave this four and a quarter, but the inmates gave it 7.20, which is probably closer to me, to be honest. But I still thought it was really good uh, overall. 16 minutes might be a little long for a match that is more or less a build-up match to Eddie and Claudio. But in the end, they won. Like, the BCC ones, which I thought was interesting. I thought Eddie was going to win. Penn Yuta maybe set up a match with him and Claudio. But instead, BCC stood stood tall here um, going on there. And uh, they did a thing, too, where he won with the big uppercut. Looked great. I love that move. The pop-up uppercut always looks awesome. I love that it's a finisher now. Like you said, AEW is a company using different finishers for different guys. He tried to kick out, like, uh, you know, after the three count, but he did get the three. It was a good finish here. I liked how the finish came across. I thought it was a good match. Cool seeing them together. What did you think?
1: Um, I wish this was the opener. I think if you cut Good point the, yeah. the RO two ROH matches and had this open up, oh man. Um, I loved this. I think this had a special aura too because you knew that, like, or not general knowledge, I guess, but like, you know, I really closely watched the whole Eddie Kingston and Kawada stuff all weekend. And oh, knowing how cool like that? Yeah, and like, you know, knowing that Kingston was performing in front of Kawada for the first time. Um him hitting the Northern Lights bomb after Kawada asked him to specifically to hit it uh, yeah. was really, really cool. Shibata just getting to see him wrestle anytime. I'm not gonna lie. It like it pops it up in automatic quarter for me. He's just <laughs> one of those guys. Yeah. Kingston and Claudio, so great. Yuta is still like, dude, Yuda's one of my favorites in the company.
0: Me too. Way underrated, in my opinion. I love his wrestling.
1: Yes. And um God, like, for most improved, it would have to be, like, him or Wagner Jr. Jr. for me. And I think Jr. Jr. edges him out for now. But, like, fuck, man. They're just great. Um, But, yeah, I love the finish of this. I really think that was, like, my favorite part was yeah, just too. that out-of-nowhere element. Um, And it didn't feel like one of those, wait, what? It felt like a damn, you know? Um,
0: I also love, uh, if you notice in the background, Shibata... He had Yuta in the sleeper hold while Claudio was pinning Kingston. So it was yes, like if, then, if he had just let it go, he could have broken it up. But he was too focused, and they weren't close enough as a team.
1: Yep. And then also Yuta's always like half dead celebrating after the matches is so yeah. hilarious. <laughs> um, but okay, I do like the fact that Blackpool won because the the trend that we kind of have with them. Is whenever they work with you know quote unquote mercenaries, they lose. Whenever they work as a trio or like a tag team, they have such like an effective record. And I think that's what I really like is that as a unit, they are solid. And then when they like need other people, they just sort of fall apart because they don't have the camaraderie they share. So yeah. And the way they built this match too, the the promo on maybe it was Rampage, but Claudio uppercutting Yuta in the back was one of it. That was probably the best Claudio um, yeah. promo I've seen. And I think, you know, Blackpool combat club is such a fascinating faction to me because you have Brock, maybe Finn, who loves to murder oh. and Moxley, who's one of the biggest fucking heels in the company right now. And then you have Claudio and Wheeler who are starting to feel like Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. And I love it. Like, Claudio really is starting to feel like a really sing- – like, he's starting to feel like a singles guy within – like, because Moxley – and brian are very much singles guys in blackpool but they still fit in with the faction whereas claudio and yuda have kind of just felt like faction guys to me but now they're starting to really round out the dynamic and i think it's claudio with all these different finishes and then that sort of intensity of like beating him down in the back right and it feels very much like that the mat is sacred i'm going to push you right um so yeah i thought this was such a sleeper hit for me um Just a really great – like if you need a match to break up a card, this is like about as good as you can hope for. So I'd go like – fuck. I'd go four on this.
0: I went three and three quarters. So again, a little bit different here, but still more or less on the same wavelength. I think it would have got there if what you said had happened. And this was the opener, but it also played a great role in the overall card, too. Uh, So I do agree. I I agree with everything you said there, too. And especially, like, what a great bridge match uh, from where we were with the strap match to the next match. I thought it was, like, perfect to how it did. Konosuke Takeshita taking on Kenny Omega. And they go at it here. I love the story of Kenny wearing the old style of gear like the ddt style of gear with the green and the yellow on it
1: yes yes that was such a great little note because like right when i saw it it immediately like the image of him fighting fucking fujita jr popped in my head <laughs> yeah but then i was like dude this was his ddt like this was his color signature
0: yeah um Takeshita came out with his awful <laughs> music here but they went after it here this was the exact type of match. If you are somebody who's a huge Kenny Omega fan and you saw what they did in this match, they were <laughs> running that playbook here, here you know, uh, I to catch. I mean, who better to go along with any playbook than him? And they did all kinds of crazy stuff here in this match. They did, a uh, one winged angel type of deal. Uh, they tried to do it from the top rope, but, and ended up countering it into a Blue Thunder bomb, uh, which looked freaking fantastic. There was some screwy stuff with Don Callis, which is the one thing that took away from the match, in my opinion, where you had the screwdriver and all of that. Where We talked about it in the last episode. It's so like uh, not unnecessary, to say the least. Um, they tried to do some other stuff here, uh, used some the Zahi over and over, and he finally hit it with uh, the knee pad taken down. For the win here. Uh really good match here. Uh what what did you think here?
1: Yeah. Um the the tone really got set when Takeshta hit that backdrop driver. Um, yeah. that was like one of the first moves. And that to me had the same like oomph to it that the Tiger driver and Omega Osprey had. So I was like, oh fuck, they're just they're doing the match. And like it's one of those things like where you watch like masters perform. Right. And it's almost like you're not able to fully appreciate what they're doing simply because it's like, I knew this is what, like, this is what they could do. And it's just fucking incredible. Like everything they did was so great. Um, The only stuff I, I really didn't like was the screwdriver. Again, if we're going to make Takeshta Takeshta. Um, And I think that's why I would go four and three quarters on it, maybe four and a half. Um, It's just because of that stuff. I think if you're making him is this beast, you got to go with it. Like I do not, I just don't like the insecurities around just letting someone win clean. Um, And, but yeah, all of the moves were insane. Like the teases, the top rope, one wing angel and the blue thunder bomb was crazy. The V triggers to the back of the head. Um, they. Oh my God, didn't they hit some, like, they hit some very specific moves that weren't theirs yet, right? I need to take notes. But I feel like this was one of those things where, like, maybe I'm wrong, but Takeshita took like one of his moves or one of like he hit a Kamagoye, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, uh, with with a, with, a, with a zahi, um, uh, at the end. Okay. Uh, yeah.
1: And um support, I just I loved all that stuff. Um great counters throughout. This was big match omega and I think like this match has been talked about for so long and it delivered on every level. I just wish Don Callis like I don't mind that he was there, but I wish that he did not get involved. Again like I think the screwdriver wasn't needed. And it's fucked because it feels like in almost each of these big Kenny Omega matches, like we're getting one thing that kind of like cuts him short and it has nothing. It's always involved in the booking. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, great, great match.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it's something that I was so happy to see. Uh, they did some stuff, stuff with the chair earlier on too. Uh, there was part two where, um, He hit the the Brain Buster on the floor, uh, too. So they really went all out here. I thought this was a great match. The callous stuff turned it it down a little bit to where this would probably be my third favorite match of the night. But when the level is so high, I mean, wow. Uh, But I gave this four and a half uh, overall here. I thought it was a great match. And if they had just changed things around, I think it could have challenged for that match of the year, like entered that stratosphere. But I think it was just short overall. Um, but still, great match, and I hope that, we, unfortunately, the tournament, which we'll, we'll go over a little bit after the end of the show, but was so stupid that is not in it, despite this, despite this huge win here. Um, the next match was the eight-man tag match. Bullet Club Gold, Juice and Jay, Gun Club, they took on FTR and the Young Bucks here in this match. Uh, so, somewhat of a pointless match, but still, they did use it to set up... The the tag title in all likelihood as well with uh, Cash Wheeler uh, taking the fall here to Colton Gunn. It was set up <laughs> by Jay White. So uh, maybe some punishment for his recent legal issues may, maybe here. But um, the match was all right. Like I said, it was good, but not. Uh, to me, this was a step down, kind of a cool down match between the last great match and the main event. But still a good use of its time, though, and a, a good way to use it. Uh, with 20 minutes. I mean, it's got great ratings. Maybe I'm a little lower on it. I thought it was good. Don't get me wrong, but this was three and a half to me, not four and a half. <laughs> like Meltzer. Well, what about you?
1: Um, Man, Colton Gunn getting the pin in this is like the complete opposite of Wheeler getting the pin in <laughs> Anarchy in the Arena for me. <laughs> Payback. Yeah, it's so bad. Um, no, but the guns are fun. Like Bullet Club Gold is definitely working for me. Yeah. Um, the FTR Yumbuck storytelling in this, like, albeit sort of cliche and predictable was solid. Um, I definitely think that this match could have been more of a sprint. Um, Like, I don't know. Like it was just too long for me this late in the show. Again, I think if you're going to do, you know, a match, that's like a buffer between like, you don't need a lot of time. It's like a palate cleanser, refresher or whatever. And, you know, gcw they use their scrambles to do that stuff and i feel like that is always just kind of nice just more of like a quick pace like oh this this and this like it's really just like a, a circus show for like 10 minutes so you know if you if you leave like you're not missing anything that's going to hold a lot of weight right and then if you're there it's just total spectacle, but without like the really heavy narrative. And this match had very heavy storytelling as well. So as a buffer, you know, I I think that's when you got to loosen the, or let up on the brakes just a little bit. And I think that, you know, this match required sort of the same level of investment as, you know, a Takeshita Omega in terms of like the strokes that they're doing and everything, the storytelling beats. So it, the it didn't quite pull me in i think enough for that so i would give this one like three and a quarter um and yeah i don't know i i really hope that bullet like jay and juice get the tag titles i think that they could have a lot of fun there um and then random thought what if danielson gets eric rowan into the blackpool combat club and him and hit and rowan fight Starks and Big Bill.
0: (laughs) I love it. Like a great tribute to them past and Bray Wyatt. You get the fans on board with that. I think they would totally vibe with that overall. I don't know. I don't know how much he fits the group, to be honest, but for a one off like tag feud, I could be totally down with that. Or maybe even just a match, they could set that up. Be like his ringer, pretty much. Like, hey. Yeah. I, went to, I went outside the club for this particular guy who's so big, we don't have anybody who can match him. So I got this big guy and somebody who I'm friends with and we have this connection. I'm totally down with it. I think that'd be a great – that could be like a collision main event you build to for a couple of weeks. Maybe you yeah. have you know singles matches and then a tag match afterwards. I'd be down with that for sure. Um, this match I agree with you about, uh, Jay and Justo. I'm a historical – uh, J White hater in New Japan as a main event talent. But I really like the run they're on as a tag team. I think they've done some of the best work of their careers. And Juice, too. Juice was, like, doing nothing for, like, three years. It felt like he was totally just not caring anymore in New Japan. And then you see him in AEW, and it's, like, all of this passion, like, all of this insanity that he brings to the table. And I think they're just such a fun team. They've totally worked Gun Club, again, similar vein too. like all of these kind of like crazy, goofy guys who are kind of likable, even though they're heels. And I think it just works like this whole group pretty much. So I'm totally down with that. And that seems like where they're setting up something. Uh, in the future. And I do agree, Juice and Jay deserve the titles overall. I think that would be a good follow-up until we get to the dream team of Miro and Hobbs <laughs> winning the title as well, as well. That's future future booking, I guess, there. But I agree with you. The book, uh, I like your points very well. If this were in a different scenario, if this were a collision main event, I think it would work better than the buffer match, like you said. Do something very easy, maybe turn your brain off instead of this thinking man's type of match. I, I completely agree with what you said hell yeah main event time international title john moxley versus orange cassidy i thought this was a fantastic main event and just the type of rate like great match that makes it all worth it say what you want about the show the build up the controversy the disarray of the company when you see a match like this in the main event where it, this was a real life moment and again I look at this title reign almost my biggest issue with it has been this is a great gimmick, a great storyline, a great title reign for the totally wrong character, in in my opinion. But for the guy who who plays this character, who is clearly a, a fantastic wrestler and performer, this was a real moment like to see this title reign end, This wasn't a character moment. This was a real moment of somebody who's put everything on the line. For months now, had all this matches, these matches been pretty much the TV MVP of the promotion, uh, I mentioned Danielson earlier, but again, he was gone for a long time, and when he was gone, OC was the one carrying the, the torch for the show, and to see it come to an end, he finally made events – and he gets his deserved roses at the end. It was an emotional thing for a character you, you know, 2 years ago nobody would have ever expected any of this to happen and come his way, but it worked out brilliantly and it felt like a great moment. I think this might have actually even overtaken the the Danielson and Stark's match for me if Cassidy had won. I think mm-hmm. like that that was the one thing that he was missing in my opinion was to beat a legit main eventer because he's done everything else you need. He got the win at all in in a, a great match where his win again, highly improved that match. In my opinion, if he had not won, I think that match would have came across a lot worse uh, than how it actually did. If he had won here, this was still a great match, but I think that if, they, if that had happened, I think he would be a legit main eventer, like a made guy. at that point. And I think they could still get him there now, but I do think that Moxley getting the title basically slots him and maybe his day will come in the future and it probably will and it hopefully will but i think now was as good of a time as any to do it and i i slightly disagree it's not like a major issue or they screwed up bad or anything but i would have had oc go over and that's just a little night nitpick on this amazing four and three-quarter star match as well
1: yeah this um after everything that had happened in the week with punk and all that this was really like the heart and soul of AEW just like colliding yeah. in a fucking ring um it was so beautiful honestly that this was the main event um you know going off what you were saying right about the fact that he needed to be a main eventer um you know cassidy his the belts kind of very needed AEW yeah you know he he may not have won the main event, but he elevated this title to the main event of a pay-per-view. I think this is the only title besides the world title that has main evented a show, if I'm not mistaken, or a pay-per-view. So while he didn't beat Moxley, he created a second world title. Like truly if, if MJF's you know, AEW world championship is very much in terms of the booking practices and sort of overall theatrics That's your universal title and OC essentially, you know, established the international title as the world heavyweight championship that was just created for what Rollins right out of necessity. Like, and meanwhile, Orange built this organically to the point where him and Moxley main evented a pay-per-view. I loved everything in the match. OC just bleeding buckets the whole ending of him just really getting his flowers and the cheering was beautiful. Like, and on that note too, this was one of my all time favorite Chicago crowds. This crowd was yeah. insane and they were so good. And what I loved and what I think, you know, what I can pretty much, I'm going to tie up my thoughts on CM Punk on this as well. Yeah. Um, Cause it all kind of bleeds into each other, but it sort of goes to the same concept right that vince mcmahon has sort of burnt into some people's minds that pro wrestling began and will end with vince mcmahon right and it's like no pro wrestling pro wrestling existed long before and as we've seen pro wrestling can and will continue to exist long after vince mcmahon right and the way that chicago wrestling was sort of made to feel at least especially during the past was it only been a year or two years two years right Um, CM Punk? Yeah, yeah, two years. Yeah, two years, but in the past, okay. And it was very much like Chicago can't exist without CM Punk, right? Like, oh, he, like, yeah, the United Center. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we have to get him back for collision there. And I think what we saw was AEW had their best show ever in Chicago the day after CM Punk was fired. And if that doesn't say that AEW, like... And Chicago have always had this relationship. I think you can see, like, it was never CM Punk. It was always AEW and the roster that showed the fuck up tonight. Um, I'm really excited for Moxley. Like, and again, I think you have this really beautiful story with OC now in terms of he will beat the main eventer. And just a huge success story, I think, in terms of AEW's ability to book Properly book, you know, fringe characters Um, and really it because I mean, I liked the, the whole rain and just sort of like the lackadaisical thing of like, I don't give a shit. I'll just defend it. Right. And then that sort of turns into like this inescapable cycle though where like the okay I don't care I'll do it turns into like almost an apathy of like I gotta keep fighting I guess and then the final thing of like I'm Orange Cassidy and I don't have a catchphrase and it was like this whole reign gave him what he needed to main event a pay-per-view and for him to say that he cared that was like the last that was the go-home show right and it's like the title finally instilled in him like care and I think that's just a really beautiful story Um, and they tied it up so well So yeah, four and three quarters I'm excited to go back and watch this one honestly um, as well but just like this was some of my favorite storytelling in wrestling recently like this is probably my favorite title reign since goes like Noah reign yeah um, back in like 2020 and we all know how that shit ended and this is a much better (laughs) ending
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, it was still beautiful. Like the ending of this was so, so beautiful compared to the Go Rain, obviously, which was a hey, a fantastic, fantastic title reign. But the ending, this one blew it out of the water.
1: After- and, sorry to interrupt, but like real quick, one more thing is um, Moxley winning. Like I always thought or felt like it had to be a new guy, right? Like, I always thought it was going to be a Wheeler or another guy like that or your Roosh, right? Yeah. Um, And I think, like, the fact that Moxley beat OC is almost, like, the best case scenario. He's your most decorated world champion in AEW. And he beat him in the main event, which I think just absolutely shows that Orange made this into a world title. And I think the fact that Moxley's holding it now really solidified how much OC had pushed this because, you know, let's say um, a Takeshta or a Starks or someone who's really great, right? But if they win it, it's still gonna feel like a mid-card title. But because yeah, they're
0: on the it come up they're not,
1: yeah. Exactly. And I think that like Mock it, it it's almost like you know, not only did OC's storyline here, like this chapter was beautifully capped off and really sets the foundation for an even more exciting future. Um, it puts another wrinkle in Moxley's insanely illustrious four-year, you know, reign so far in AEW. And if anything though, like the title benefited the most from this. Like I can't are there any other matches you can think of where a title was elevated this much to the next level? Where I'm like, shit, this almost got the Bret Austin rub. Was the AEW International title? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a main event t- title now, um, and I can't really remember a, a case like that. I think they're on, like, they're on a good path with Gunther. It's just the way the company works. It's very hard with Roman Reigns being so overshadowing stuff with the bloodline in terms of their attention, and past that. I guess perhaps the only thing I think of as bringing up Japan again since you brought that up was when Nakamura and Tanahashi main-evented the Dome with the Intercontinental title.
1: Yes, totally. The IC belt. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's about the last time, and that was – god, that was nine years ago at this point, so – it's very hard to do, and they successfully accomplished it. Great point on your part. And like I said, it's a very minor critique that, that I made. It's, I totally have no issue with this at all. I'm not even saying they were wrong at the end. And what you said is totally true. To have it be succeeded by a main eventer almost helps the title more than oc winning yeah and we you know I I, I I i agree with that actually like now that you brought that up when you say it that way i agree it helped the title i was thinking more of oc himself but the title maybe that might be the better thing in the long run so tony khan might have outsmarted me at the end there and you might be right after all so i kind of agree with what you said but damn what a great show this was like look at these three matches we talked about it, and so much going on uh, so much fun stuff, so much stuff that sets stuff up for the future. The build still sucked, and I stand by it. Like I, I don't like the idea that like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Some of the comments, like when John Silver was on there, that was like, "Oh, make more money so you can order our shows." I was like, "What an idiot!" Like seriously, <laughs> what, what an idiot! Like in all honesty, and I, I've been a fan of his in the past, but totally irresponsible. And Tony Khan should have put a stop to that. In my opinion, or they should have at least had a baby face defend the fan that he was going against that. You can't say that like nowadays. I just thought it was so stupid. And the the buildup is what it was. But the match quality was also what it was, which was an absolutely spectacular show where everybody put their best foot forward. And what to bring it back to what you said. I think you could easily. Easily make the case this was the best AEW pay per view in terms of pure in ring work, and I think, in my opinion, a significant upgrade over the bi- the bigger show that happened a week ago. I thought this was a much better show, top to bottom.
1: Yeah, I mean, even with my gripes with the opening, the angle was really great, and that was what it existed for. So and even, even with the evening,
0: that, not the main event like it was on the, the show before.
1: Yep, and uh, yeah, I mean really I my complaints with the show are very minor um yeah like I said I genuinely think this was probably my favorite AEW pay-per-view to date and you know they're having a I, it feels like they're starting to hit a stride again you know and I'm really excited for Wrestle Dream. it looks like we could get you know Joe and um Joe and MJF yep. um you know, whoever Moxley faces is probably going to be pretty exciting. Naito would be fucking awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm just I like this show got me excited again. Like, I'm actually going to watch. I'm fucking so stoked to watch Collision tonight. I'm going to put it on while I work. And I'm just like hyped. <laughs> I've never been excited to watch Collision ever. Um, so, yeah, like the the best feeling after a show is to be excited for the future right it's like any match you should want to see it again and i'm really excited for wrestle dream um again aew if they're going to start doing more pay-per-views i would really love monthly pay-per-views especially because i think that they've put themselves in a a position now where they can have different titles made at the pay-per-views and not have it feel like oh, well, they just didn't have a match that was strong enough to main event or whatever, right? Like, it wasn't just a forced world title main event. It's like, no, they have other titles that are on this level now. Um, Yeah, and Phil Brooks is gone. Good readings. Ha ha ha, Phil, stay away from me. You can't, sir. (laughs) You love doing that voice, don't you? Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he was right. He was totally right. About one more thing. Uh, we'll talk about real quick before we get to that, uh, just r- really fast. This tournament, speaking of gripes, because I knew <laughs> what you said about the Wrestle Dream show, but the tournament they set up was a- just a joke. <laughs> like it made them look bad. Why didn't they just let- make Joe the number one contender if they were going to do this? And you could do all these matches, but when you tell me. You look me in the eye as a viewer of this show, as a fan of this company, as somebody who wants this company to succeed and be as big as WWE, wants you to have 80,000 seat shows. You're telling me you give us Nick Wayne, Trent Barretta, Jeff Hardy, Jay Lethal? What? How are these guys ahead of Takeshita and Omega and so many people that won on this show Uh, It makes no sense. This tournament is stupid, Uh, and I like the idea. I like the final potential, whether it's Joe versus Darby or Joe versus Roderick, either one. It would probably be Roderick, just based based on the storyline. But I love either one of those matches. Darby and Roderick are two of the best workers they have. Joe is an absolutely fantastic character. I thought his promo was awesome Mm -hmm. that he cut on MJF. But the tournament itself why couldn't we have just had a normal tournament? Are you that afraid to have people lose that you can't just do something semi-realistic?
1: No. And, um, something that could have, I don't know. And again, this is just total bullshit fantasy booking, but you know, have Joe versus MJF be the clear trajectory for Russell dream from the get go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it seems like the finals are going to be Roddy versus Joe because you have both storylines heading towards MJF. Right. Um, for me, like Roddy M.J.F. is an exciting match. It's like a perfect main event for like a, you know, kind of like a a branded TV show, right? Like a St. Patrick's Day Slam or some shit. Um, and you know, we're gonna have a big gap in between Wrestle Dream and Full Gear, so you could do that Roddy thing and then maybe build back to I don't know, whatever. But that's all to say, I feel like this if the Eliminator tournament. Um, concluded at wrestle dream you would have a lot more because like the last one remember it was like what danielson versus moxley in the finals like danielson versus miro it was like these used to be booked way crazier and this definitely just felt very slapped together um like darby and nick wayne cool match uh like it felt like they maybe needed to do it but also why is Nick Wade in this? Um, and just, I guess dynamite in general, love the Starks um, really, really loved the Starks promo. Um, that I, was a
0: great promo. Yeah.
1: I thought Aussie open should have won. You could have done the Guevara and Jericho. Um, <laughs> the angle exactly the same, if not better from that. Yeah. Um, And I thought Moxley and Fox was fun. Statlander and Sakura, great little sprint, super hard hitting. None of the matches. A TV. Yes. uh, Dude, I'm really happy. Like I, you know, still could have had more than one match on here. Absolutely. And more segments, but um, I wouldn't say any of the matches were necessarily bad. I think some of them were certainly lacking in meaning and purpose. Um, But yeah, overall, like it, it kept my interest going um, forward through, the like going forward, I'm actually gonna probably watch Rampage too, and I thought it was interesting because they definitely put the more interesting matches on Rampage to me for the first round. Like Hardy and Joe is, albeit like yes, it's Jeff fucking Hardy. Like you know, yeah. I I am still a Hardy Mark forever. He was one of my favorites <laughs> growing up, and I would love to see him have good. And I I don't good or not yet, but um like that's equal cool match. And then it was Lethal versus who? Uh, Penta. And, and see, like, that's a pretty good match, too. So I like that they, it like, the tournament, the competitors are not good. But the fact that they put those matches on Rampage, at least, made yeah. the tournament feel important and made Rampage feel important. Because they're still okay. struggling to do that as well. Um, so I liked that structure at the very least. But... Yeah, I don't know who won on Rampage yet, but I'm, uh, I'm I hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping you know we should probably get. Uh, I, either way, whoever Joe's gonna face, I'm gonna say, will be fun, and Darby and Roddy should be pretty fun as well. So, pretty shitty first round ones. Um, it's like it's like when they do the New Japan Cup, right? But then Eujuro somehow beats someone and it's like, God damn it, there goes my bracket um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh could have been much better, I totally agree. what are you looking forward to I guess before, before I don't know what else anything else we have um
0: they're doing the outcast storyline uh, with the women's title I, I I would like to see Tony <laughs> get more of a push out of that. I think that's good. Totally agree with you about uh, Ricky Starks. The promo was great. I like that we're done with this brand, this faux brand split. So far, we're seeing people cross back and forth a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But my problem with the tournament is, like, you named all of these guys. Literally, all seven or eight of them were more deserving than Jay Lethal of mm-hmm. being in this tournament. And nothing against Jay as a, as a wrestler or anything, but it's like you had all of these other options that you just you didn't want them in the tournament because you didn't want them to take a loss. That's why they weren't in. Where's Takeshita? You know? Oh,
1: I, okay. Sorry. On Takeshita, I really, really like the masterpiece reveal concept. Um, It's like the only thing I've enjoyed about Kallus and Takeshita so far. Like the, the intent behind making an entire painting of who you're going to beat the shit out of next is so like maniacal and evil in like a way that I feel like we don't, Get a lot um it's very unique i took like yes to should be going for the title um yeah. and that makes sense with his win from omega but i don't know I, that masterpiece thing made me a little more interested because it feels like to starting to like clean up you know callus's past or whatever so yeah i'm a little more interested to see what happens now um But yeah, they could have been way better people. Like, no Danielson, no nothing. Um, And then, too, like, a lot of the competitors have lost recently. So, not big stock. Yeah, Darby lost on the fucking pay (laughs) per view.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no logic. Like, that's my only problem with it. It's nothing against the competitors themselves, it's just the logic behind it sucks so much. And it, and it makes the company look bad, in my in my opinion. Just like that uh, Chinese food segment they had uh, with MJF and Cole a few weeks ago. But uh, it's still good. And Takeshita, who do you think the masterpiece master will be? Like, Who do you think they're
1: going to go after? My hope, this is dream booking. Miro. Mm.
0: I don't know why. It makes no sense. But I don't care. I want to see Miro and Takeshita wrestle.
1: I mean, if he if they're connected to Kalis, um oh, that's right. Who,
0: who has who has stories with Callus?
1: I okay. can't really think of anyone outside of like. I mean, us It sounds like it also seems like he's trying to court Ozzy Open into his family. Um, like I think having more people in addition to Takeshita could certainly help Takeshita in that in that position because it would at least give like a hierarchy to the group where Takeshita can be slotted as a number one. Right. So yeah. it's more of like a Blackpool combat club and less of a Takeshita being managed by this dude. Cause it's more like Andre Bobby Heenan or whatever. Um, and uh, but yeah, I like in terms of Kalos, I really have no clue. Like when they said it, I was trying to think who it could be and like trying to factor in, well, Who's not in a feud right now? And um, my first thought, like, OK, my thought would be Danielson because he beat Tekashter earlier in the year. And I don't know, maybe Callis doesn't like him and it would be really cool. But that would be my hope, I guess, is Danielson selfishly if he doesn't continue with Starks.
0: I'd be down for that. Uh, I mean, that's the best – that's honestly the best option, <laughs> like, in-ring-wise, is Brian. Uh, my fear is it'll be Jericho, like, and he wants him to finish the job, and I hope that's not it because they already did that with the painting, so hopefully it'll be somebody else. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting little angle. I, I agree with that. Uh, well, whoever it is, it gives a good setup. And I would like to see if they're going to continue the family. I do wish, again, similar to what I said about Luchasaurus and Christian, I'd like to see some motivation from Takeshita given. Why are you with Kalis? Like, why why do you want to be with him? What are your goals? Give us some depth to your character other than, oh, Kalis is in this feud and Takeshita is his in-ring hand, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Like, for me, my, my rule is kind of, I will give it three weeks and if I'm, like, if after three weeks, if on the fourth week, it doesn't hit a stride, then I'm like, okay, this truly sucks. <laughs> so it like, they've sort of pulled me back in with this, but I, I agree, like they need, now that they've moved past Omega, like yeah. they need to start adding layers.
0: I agree. So we're, we're hyped for AEW though, it was a great pay-per-view, uh, great show, and they set up some interesting things. I'm still not fully sold on MJF and Cole as a main event program, Uh, and I mean, there's a lot behind the scenes that are up in the air. (laughs) Like there's a lot to talk about, but we will just kind of quickly end this because this is like your this is your moment now, Nelo, your your chance for a victory dance. Because as we've said, as has been mentioned before the show, he was fired. Uh, CM Punk, ding dong, the bitch is dead. CM Punk (laughs) is out of here. And he will never be seen again in AEW uh, unless there's some kind of lawsuit that he wins uh, coming out of it, which seems very much impossible uh, considering the the fact that there's allegedly video of this, of what happened. So it's going to be very, very hard for him to escape out of this time. But Punk, I mean, it, it, you know, there's been so much that's happened even in the week since he's gotten fired, you know, as we're recording this. So many different layers and ins and outs of media implosions I think the wrestling media at large have just totally bungled everything about this whole thing top to bottom like nobody is is innocent or perfect I feel like in the coverage of all of this but it came out I mean you saw Sean Ross zap on Twitter punk has been giving information <laughs> to all of this these media guys going on here, and which we all do anyway if you paid attention to certain people out there, certain sources I'm not going to name all of them, but basically there were a lot of people that Punk and his friends were trying to manipulate, more or less, to manipulate these stories out there, including m- claiming the other side was trying to manipulate the media as well, which is the kind of tricks you would expect from somebody like CM Punk. I've always said Punk, he is a—you je- know he's a dick, but he's a smart dick. This guy is a master manipulator in so many ways and was able to rile up his his fan base so much because there's a lot of people that just love him and will defend everything he does up to and including potentially attacking the owner of the company physically out there, uh, which we came out with. And we weren't there. I don't want to say anything definitively. The reports are that he made a move on Tony Khan after the... The backstage stuff with Jungle Boy, which we spoke on the last episode uh, with with Jack Perry, excuse me. Um, We spoke on that, but it came out that he also lunged at Tony Khan. And Tony Khan uh, came out on Collision right before AEW uh, All Out, rather. He came in on the show and made a statement. And it's exactly what we talked about last week, Nello. Um, What we thought he wouldn't do, actually, because he didn't do it before a year ago. He should have done it. I want to say this, before we get to Punk himself, I was so impressed with how Tony Khan handled that situation. You finally made a move as a leader. He got right in front. He didn't, He because he easily could have just said nothing. tried to convince people that Punk was going to show up on All Out. He didn't do it. He announced it right away. He's been fired. And I thought it was a very bold and the right decision. I thought that was the first time, Because a lot of this I actually blame on him for the punk even. But I thought this was the first time that Tony Khan showed good leadership. What do you think?
1: It was a very definitive and much-needed conclusion to this very frustrating and just grossly repetitive chapter in AEW's very short tenure still, all things considered. Good point. I'm so happy. I could not be more fucking happy um, that he is gone. And I think that this is going to be, you know, a moment for AEW to really signal what their new, you know, sort of mission is going forward. Right. Because if we still get a whole bunch of backstage shit happening and these people, whatever, it's like, okay, there is like something, you know, systematically wrong in this, right? Like when it was just all sorts of shit happening all the time and then it felt like it kind of chilled out. And then when Punk came in, shit blew up, right? So with Punk gone, I just hope that we hear way less Um, because if anything, this is sort of made me realize how little we hear about WWE in these aspects as well. Like when we hear about WWE, it's far more in relation to management than like actual backstage stuff involving yeah. wrestlers most of the time. Whereas with this, it's like, you know, an unfortunate conflation of both. And it, it can, you know, really poison um the well and also just like hurt the momentum as we've seen so many times. So they have this really good feeling right now. Um, you know, I didn't think it was the greatest. Uh, Post show dynamite, like it was very promo heavy. Again, tournament could have been better, but uh, I'm very excited for the future. Uh, like I said, I read the statement at the party we had on Saturday um, when I did That's my little just- wrestling state party. I was like, yeah, everyone, everyone, I read it. And people were fucking stoked, man. It really is a Ding Dong, the witch is dead moment. Um, and yeah, I-, I think, you know, not only jack perry stuff aside you know we talked about the the airport situation and all that and i think it just showed how manipulative punk can be and how he was trying to get his word out there first and how you know essentially like you see the person through the bullshit and you know a lot of things were affirmed and um it was kind of beautiful that the night The the first pay-per-view in Chicago, the day after CM Punk gets fired, opens with Adam Page winning a charity battle royale and donating $50,000 to teenagers in Chicago. And I was like, god damn, they really made Hangman the new hero of Chicago the day after they fired Punk. That's justice, if anything.
0: I will say this again. For as much as we have clearly stated are not-big-fans-of-punk position, to say, to say the least. There was other blame to go around. Again, I really think what we saw on Saturday should have happened one year ago, in my, in my opinion. That would have avoided all of this trouble. He should have been gone. And that you would have just executed this whole thing. They fired Ace Steel afterwards as well, uh, once again. Um, You know, it came out. So they should have done this a year ago. At that point, to me, if I was running the company, and I hate hate to do that because I'm not running the company. Tony Khan did, and I give him a lot of credit for what he just did the past weekend. But if I were there that night, the next night, I would have had everybody – I would have forced them to get together, and I would have said, look, either – We are going to make an angle out of this, and we're all going to work together, period. End of discussion. If you are in this company, you are willing to work with whoever the hell I tell you to work with because I am the owner, or you will be fired. And that would be my offer to every single one of them. And if they didn't want to do it, they would be gone. (laughs) Like, that would be the end of it. And then the next week, you would have Colt Cabana addressing CM Punk on Dynamite after that, that promo. And we will go from there. Whether you like it or not, punk, this is what's going to happen. You have screwed up so bad in so many ways. Hurt feelings, ruined the locker room, caused problems, fractured everything. You are going to do what you need to do to make things right. And then we will all move on and maybe we can all laugh about this in a year. Or you fire them. Like Those are your only options. Either make them work together and make money with this, which you could have done if they had any sense. Or you fire him. Either one's fine. If you had been justified, like I said, that's what he should have done. He should have fired him before all of this happened. But it took a while, and we do have to say we don't know uh, because it has been stated how much WWB wants CM Punk for Collision. And allegedly it's been said $50 million was paid to the company for that. And if that's true, then I guess all this drama was probably worth it from a capitalist sense. But what about the damage you did to your locker room? (laughs) your fan base, because now you still got a fractured fan base on this. There's still people who love CM Punk so much and will believe everything about him and take his side no matter what. When in reality, there is enough blame to go around the young bucks doing a victory dance on Saturday, I didn't really like that. I thought it was unnecessary. It made them look so petty and bad that, you know, you didn't need to do that. Like, let's just move on from all of this. Like you said, Dark Cloud, it's gone now. You fired him. Let it be gone. Like I, There shouldn't be any more CM Punk nonsense in this company, um, not for his sake, but for the fans' sake and for the locker room's sake, in my opinion. And that's something I hope we see. I don't want this lingering on for another month or two where people have to make veiled references and things like that. Just just let it go, man. You know, he's gone now. We're pre- pre- we're never going to see him again in all likelihood. And that just needs to be how it needs to be. I I that's how I would like to see it and I think he was antagonized at points, but he was his own enemy that caused it. If he had not done what he did in the first place, I think he would have been a lot more respected. I think there's a lot of people you included. You loved him when he came in, when he made his debut, you said it yourself, you cried when he came in and a lot of people feel that way. He is the one that drove his own fan base insane with his actions. So to me he is at the top of the list, but there is other people to blame as well in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely great point honestly. As much as I shit on punk, um you know, he was probably the unhealthiest symptom of a root cause, which was a lack of proper management by Khan, Absolutely. as you had said. Yeah, so yeah. the thing though, is that fortunately by doing this, Khan addressed the root as well. Right. I agree. I agree. And I think that that's about the best outcome you can hope for. Um, so
0: yeah. On, on WrestleUpdate Twitter for all of what I just said, we can't change the past. You know, We can't go back and make it to where he fired him a year ago like we think he should have. For that exact moment, uh, Saturday in 2023, he did the right thing, and I was very impressed. I, I really have to give him my kudos because I didn't think he was going to do it. I thought that he was going to get away with this again, and we were going to be talking about the next CM Punk blow up another month or two from now when he came back and because so, that's what would have happened if he had came back. If it wasn't Jack Perry, if it wasn't the Young Bucks, it would be someone else. He's like, he is he, who he is, who he's always been. Who he's always been. And he's not going to change in his 40s. And looks, and that's why a lot of people in WWE don't want him there. You, you talked about Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns hates his guts. We know the history with him and Triple H. Who is there to really back bring him in? It's been said there were some fans that even messaged me saying, "Fox, bring him in for a short-term deal, get what he can out of." Him. <laughs> but that's that's just not gonna work, man. I I'm I'm not buying it. You know, I I think the best thing for him is he he's gonna tear up any locker room he's a part of, even if it's healthy before. Let alone if it's a WWE locker room with so much. Like you said, the wrestlers come across pretty normal and, and nice, but. Uh, not a great situation with the management. Who knows what he'll do next. But regardless, uh, he seems to be out of the way. One thing I want to say, too, before we get out of here. I noticed in the statement you brought up, I want to read a very specific part uh, here. At the, In fact, it's the very first thing you said. AEW has terminated the wrestler and employment agreements between Philip Brooks and AEW with cause, effective immediately. He's terminated the wrestler and and employment agreements. So that tells you he had some kind of role front office-wise. He was an employee of this company, not as an independent contractor. Which Uh They said it in their own statement. So what was his role? What power did he give him more than maybe we even knew, and we already knew that he gave him power? That's very interesting to me that he was – under some kind of front office power. you know, He had some kind of power that we didn't know about, and we still don't know about because it, it wasn't listed. But it says right here an employment contract in addition to wrestler. I wonder what that was.
1: This fucking bouncer of collision. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a bouncer. But that, just that, right outside with his arms crossed, just a puffy face. What? You can't come here, question for Daniels.
0: You want to take it outside?
1: No, um, but yeah, it seems like. Definitely creative in some way, or I imagine show direction, yeah. some sort of thing for a collision.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. It's just a collision deal. But that's something nobody talked about, or nobody that I saw anyway picked up on. And I noticed that in the statement. And I think it's worth mentioning that there's something more to this that we don't know about. And maybe that is also maybe an explanation. Maybe he had this all the way back then. Remember in that in, uh, you know, brawl out or whatever? He said, I'm running a business here, and that's something to think about. Was he a part of management even deeper than we know about And Maybe that's why Tony Khan was so hesitant to help him – or so hesitant to fire him, excuse me. And you know, and you know, I feel bad for Tony in a lot of ways, even though it was a lot of his own doing for his poor management. But you know, for him to do that on Saturday, again, I think you have to really praise him. The last thing he wanted to do was fire CM Punk. Ever. I mean, this yeah. man was his favorite, some sort of hero. I mean, can you imagine being in his position? Obviously, it's we're like, not, is, but you know, whoever your favorite wrestler is, can you imagine seeing what a complete prick he is and needing to fire him, but you love him and, and you don't want to fire him? How crazy is that?
1: Yeah, for the Eastern Lariat fans, uh CM Punk is to Tony Khan as Keiji Muto is to Nasawa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true but he did support trans rights instead of saying homophobic stuff like Keiji Mudo in the match versus true. Nakamura. True. So that is one thing punk does have i guess uh, uh, uh but it's like i said i think we said all we could say on him and uh it's a good time i'm so glad we got to do the show and get through it um yeah you know, so cool to have you on again. I can't wait to do the next episode. The next episode is going to be a special one, too. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, no big shows for the next few weeks, but we're still going to be doing some stuff uh, on update We're going to get you episodes pretty much every week, uh, maybe a little bit after, uh, depending on what happens. But looking forward to it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And Nello, the people, they need to know what you got to say. Anything you want to say, you have the spotlight right now.
1: OK, so uh, first off, I want to start giving like an indie match of the week to check out either on site, uh, IWTV, whatever, uh, you know, U.S.-based stuff, Canada, anything. Um, so this week, check out Matt Tremont versus Malcolm Monroe III from ICW No Holds Barred, Volume 51. Uh, match takes place in Malcolm's hometown of Detroit. His family is ringside, like his children are ringside for this deathmatch. match. Chain in his name. It's fucking crazy. He comes <laughs> out with them. It's really cool. Um, and it is like Tremont, but you know, we had discussed him and Jack, right? Very unique performer. And he can still go like, you know, those Kobayashi style matches where you're like, damn, he's still got it. Even though he can't do as much. Um, and Malcolm Monroe III like gives the performance of his life here, just trying to do anything he can to stop Tremont. Tons of glass. If you're a Deathmatch fan, this is like pretty much. Um, I would give it like a solid four stars. And then I just wanted to shout out my little brother Tino, who's on vacation right now. Let him know it took me two and a half hours to beat Baltius in Armored Core Six, but I just kept learning and I didn't give up. And uh, yeah, follow me on. Twitter, for as long as I'm on there still, at Aniello with five five O's, I think, or three. Anyway, that's it for me. What are you jumping on to Instagram? Oh, my Instagram is Aniello.space. And that's also my personal website, Aniello.space. You can see all my favorite films, video games, albums, wrestling throughout time.
0: Listen, we're we're going on to the Instagram escape uh, sooner rather than later and on yellow dot space you're, you're crossing new frontiers you got your own website uh we're running some blue sky stuff on there where whenever that blows up we're going to be all over the place twitter and x cannot contain us whatsoever but also shout out to tino as well uh, out there big love
1: big love tino <laughs> um
0: but yeah uh like i said follow the show account on x as well uh wrestle update 23 The name of the show plus the name of the year. (laughs) What a fun time it's been on, on there. Really gotten my mojo back on the social media game. Uh, I may, we may end up doing a Wrestle Update Instagram account on top of it. Uh, you know, since you're there already too, since you you've beaten me up already, you've gotten there, you've done some great things on there. Really appreciate the shout out and the love to the family, the wrestlers, the indie wrestling going on. Check out check out that match too on ICW. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun coming up on Wrestle Update. It's been a hell of a time and love that we're in this together. Uh, so thank you so much, Nello for being on uh, once again.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And thank you. The listeners for always tuning in. Give us support. Check out our YouTube page at Wrestle Update. Uh, subscribe, like, all that stuff. Have some fun. Let us know what you think about any of the wrestling going on in America or anywhere uh, Indies, AEW, uh, uh, WWE, anywhere you want. It's all good. But we'll always be back and keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for the next episode. And until then, this has been your Wrestle Update.